Hey, onesies, Josh Williams here, and thanks for checking out the One Man Podcast. There's now over 200 episodes and dozens of bonus interviews, all of which are available at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Google Podcasts, and many more. And you know what? If you don't have any of those apps, no big deal, because you can listen anytime at onemanpodcast.com. So be sure to subscribe, because it's always free, and there's a new episode out every Wednesday. And while you're at it, leave a review. It's a great way to help the podcast, and it doesn't cost you a thing. Follow One Man Podcast on all the major socials, and you'll get bonus content and pictures, fun stuff for yourself. And finally, if you have something that you want read on the show, send it to contact at onemanpodcast.com because if you send it, I'll read it on an upcoming episode. Thanks so much for listening and I hope you enjoy. What's up everybody? This is DJ Demers. I'm K. Trevor Wilson. Hey, it's Krista Allen. Hi, this is Rick Mercier. What's up guys? This is Paul Verzi and you are listening to the One Man Podcast. Yeah! My name is Josh Williams, and welcome to the One Man Podcast, episode 335 for Wednesday, October 4th, 2023. How's it going, onesies? How you doing? Uh, for anyone who's tuning in for the first time, what is the One Man Podcast? Well, it is me, a comedian, brand ambassador, earthling, Josh Williams, telling you what's going on with me personally, professionally, and everything in between. And for anybody, it's been a hot minute since I put out an episode. I don't even know where to begin. There's been so many things that have happened. I, I won't even get into them all right now because I, I quite honestly have the, you know, sheets printed and those episodes will come for quite a while there at the tail end of the, the tingly Ted's tour that I was doing. Things were looking kind of up. It was like, I'm gonna be home for a while. I'm gonna get the office finished so I can build my studio. I, I purchased a second arm and a second mic so that I can, you know, have guests over and, and record some episodes with some other comics and some other people of interest, just trying to get this thing going. And I was even like, you know what? It's going to be so easily set up that I can honestly get up every day and, you know, maybe make a cup of coffee and then bang out an episode, at least until we're all caught up and uh, things should go well. Well, a lot has happened since and it's very hard to get into. I'm going to tell you what happened with me the last week, as is always the case of the podcast. It's like, hey, what'd you do? What's going on with you? What's new and exciting? Uh, I tell you all that, but a lot has transpired. I'll talk about it in other episodes, but I'll give you the Coles notes. Just the most important biggest thing is that my partner, Crystal, and I are not together anymore. And we still live together, but we're just not together anymore. And, and rather than giving you guys all the details, you know, I'll, I'll tell you kind of things that have happened that you've missed. So essentially like every time I just get close to like, Hey, you know what? I can just get the desk is clean. I can just sit down tomorrow, get my notes printed and record the podcast. You know, this, the, the, the ceiling would collapse in metaphorically, of course. And, and then that just wouldn't be the case. And then a ton of stuff happens. So since we've moved in together, I've even shifted rooms. So like we've, you know, we, we called it quits like not in a bad way, but also I can't say that we did stuff particularly amicably either. But again, I, I have a public forum and I don't want to disparage anybody that I care about publicly. So it's, it's tough to talk about, you know, things getting bad and you know, how the resolution was a little bit of a, I don't want to say dark, but just certainly not a, a happy way to start the podcast. But I want to start off by giving my loyal listeners, especially since it's been over a month since you've got an episode from me, just a bit of an idea as to what has gone on. We, we essentially, ever since we moved into this place have not had still waters and not just between the two of us. It's, it's more just things keep happening. And I don't think it's fair to either one of us, the stuff that's gone on, it's been outside of our control to an extent, but 
yeah, it's just, we're just not together anymore. So as soon as I got, you know, it was fine. It was like, it was like, as soon as I finally got the office done and everything, it was like, okay, it was like, okay, we're calling it quits and you need a bedroom and I need a bedroom and everything's got to get moved around. So stuff, you know, taken down off walls, like we're talking shelves and tons of stuff. And then I had a buddy come up, Chad, who, who, you know, has been up before. And I've told you guys about, I think I've told, maybe not, maybe those are episodes that are missing, but the, uh, the whole point is that as a friend of mine came up from, from New York and he was here for two weeks. So I'll be, I'll be recapping for you guys what happened week number two. And then when I get a chance, I'll, I'll recap week number one. Chad was originally going to record the podcast with me, but I think that just, we were doing so many things and honestly, we were kind of go, go, go for a while. Chad was offering me a hand with some of the, the moving and stuff like that, that I had to do. So we just didn't get around to recording the podcast with him. And as much as I'd love to have a second voice on, you know, the, the podcast is infinitely more interesting that way. And honestly, the most of the episode is going to be me talking about stuff that he and I did together. So it's always better to have that second person here, but just sadly it didn't work out that way. And, uh, and I had to bring him back to the States. He had work. I had stuff to do. And it was just, it couldn't be avoided. So we didn't get a chance to get it recorded. However, I've got all the notes in front of me. I will give you guys the full story. And now that my room and my office portion of my room is all set up, it's almost like I'm just in a bigger version of Jason's at this point, but like I said, I'm going to avoid disparaging anybody kind of, kind of this and that I've got close friends and, and onesies who've already spoken with me, spent some time who are a little aware of the situation, but you know, and I will just say this as a general disclaimer, like keep in mind, there's always two sides to every story. So even if I do let anything slip or whatever, please just know it's my interpretation of things. And you know, anyone who's, who's friends with both Crystal and I, please know, like I, there's no part of me that, that wants you guys to be, you know. Un, un, uncouth is not the word I'm looking for, but you know, just, you know, I, I don't want anyone to feel like, oh, I, I got to pick a side or whatever. I, I just want you guys to know that like Crystal is still a very good person. I still care about her very, very much. It's just the state of affairs is that, you know, and we're living together. So right now it's tough. We're, we're not, you know, passing each other in the hall with like silence. However, one of the kiddos has decided that, that that is the, that's the course of action for her and that's okay. You know what I mean? Like it's still relatively new for everybody. So I just want everyone to be okay. These are still people that I care about very much and and I'm still going to be living with for the foreseeable future. Uh, we've talked about, you know, looking for, uh, you know, which one of us is going to be leaving and yada, yada, but sorry, I've been eating water for a while. And I figured, you know what, one of the signature things of this show is me slurping on, uh, on stuff. So I got a bottle of water here, trying to keep my, my throat dry if I can. So just overall, it's, it's, things are like, we have our own space, which is great but things are still weird in the house. So it's, it's similar to Jason's in the sense that like, you know, one of the kiddos is, is basically like living in the living room right now, not living, but essentially like that's where they spend their day. Again, when I get to that episode, I will let you guys know, you know, what's going on. But as it stands, Brooklyn is in the living room most days. And because the other kiddos given me kind of the silent treatment, whatever, it's just not comfortable to be in the in communal spaces because, you know, just, I feel like the, the unwanted uh, dude there or whatever. It's just, it's just not comfortable. So I, I spend my time in my room and, and I go out and I do the things I can do outside of the, the house, but I'm not in, I'm not in bad spirits. I actually don't feel devastated. I'm not, you know, crying myself to sleep or anything like that. Again, in, in time, I'll be able to talk about it and sort of what went on. There's like, there's podcasts guys where I was recording in the States where, where certain aspects of this basically, like I, I was already sort of seeing the writing on the wall 
when I was in the States. And, and, and sadly, just when I came back, there was uh, rather than it being like, oh, I, I may have, you know, and I don't want to say overreacted because I didn't react. But I mean, like, oh, I may have, I may have jumped to conclusions and really, really hoping that I was jumping to conclusions. It just turns out through, through, you know, a lot of things that have transpired since I've been back that it's just corroborated my concerns. I know I'm, I'm alluding to a lot with, with saying very little, but it's more of me just trying to say that like this, this thing on my part didn't come easily. And I can't speak for, for Crystal, like how it felt for her, but it's, yeah. I mean, in time, in time, I'll be able to talk to you guys about it you know, but, uh, but for now it's, it's just, it's fresh. I'm not trying to make anybody feel like, you know, I'm still living under the same roof as this person. So I'm not trying to say things that would come back, you know, and bite me in the ass because I said them publicly or whatever. I'm just trying to be respectful and be respected at the same time. So just letting you guys know, what do we got here? We got a little message from karma. letting me know I got a gig in, in 24 hours. I've also got someone who's coming to pick some stuff up. So lots of, lots of stuff to talk about on this episode. It's going to be, again, I assume I always say like, Hey, it's not gonna be very long. And it ends up being long. I, I think this one's gonna be a long one and it probably would be short. I'm, I'm curious to see how I'm gonna be able to talk about things that have happened. And, and hopefully I can just not talk about stuff that came before. Oh, I think I got that dude who's coming right now. So before I just kick off into things, I'll give you a little synopsis of what we're talking about. But for now I'm going to go, I'm going to go do a quick little Facebook marketplace transaction and I will be back in half a second due to the magic of the play pause button. And I'm back and I'm back and I'm back and I'm back. Okay. So this week I'm going to tell you guys about what Chad and I did. I guess what I did too. I did a little bit on my own. But we drove to Montreal. We uh, had breakfast with some some different people. Breakfast was kind of a regular thing Chad and I were doing just to try to enjoy ourselves. I'm also keeping an eye on the dog who's on my bed and just sniffing around and stuff. I got big piles of stuff I need to post on Facebook Marketplace. So he's just inspecting. I got my quality control uh, agent there making sure all my stuff's good. A little slurp of coffee here. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to tell you guys about, I went to Absolute Comedy with Chad, saw some buddies who I have not seen in some time. So it's very, very nice to see one of whom I hadn't seen since before the pandemic. Played some video games. That's something I have not done in a long time. I didn't even turn on my PlayStation or Xbox pretty much since we moved in on June 1st. We watched some movies, video games, watched some movies, like a little tiny, like sidewalk in the burbs now, nice little, little sized houses and things like that. So I'm like, uh, you know, maybe I'll try a little sidewalk. So I'll tell you guys about that a little bit later on. I went to my buddy Chris's for dinner, took Chad there. Uh, Chad actually celebrated his 21st birthday. So I, I took him out of America as a boy, brought him back a man. The, I think we, we went back to the States two days after his birthday. So he's going home 21 now legal drinking age in his country. But, uh, beforehand the day of his birthday, we decided to go to my buddy Chris's house. I called Chris, Chris and I had been chatting a little bit beforehand and we were just like, Hey man, it's been a hot minute. And you know, Hey, I got Chad here. Like you want to have a games night or something like that. He was like, absolutely. Chris, as some of you know, has been a, a regular on the podcast as a, a guest host. I've also had, you know, uh, my friend red on here quite a bit. Never had Chad. Chad was actually looking forward to, it. like I said, just didn't, didn't happen. I apologize for that guy. So I'll tell you about that. I bought some new Apple products. Yeah. I'll just let you guys know about the, but all that stuff as we, uh, as we pump to it. So like, so what do I do? What was the, uh, the earliest memory of last week that I have, I think was uh, driving to Montreal. Chad and I decided to, to go to Montreal. I actually, as part of the move, I needed to, to make a little coffee station for me here in uh, my bedroom as I had, I had one at Jay's and uh, my coffee station was in the office before I like to have my coffee right on the desk so that I can have five cups a day and blow my heart out of my chest. 
So what I did was I'm like, well, I need a little station. There was like a little uh, sort of spot in the wall. It's hard to describe, but here in the bedroom between the closet and the bathroom, there's just like a little wall nook, a plug, whatever. And I was like, this would be a perfect place to just put one of those little, you know, four square Ikea things with some drawers and some, some doors on it to just put all the coffee shit in it. And then put the machines on top, my, my Nespresso Virtuo and original lines. So what I did, what I did was I bought the, the thing at Ikea. I guess I can talk about that, you know, in the previous episode, but one of the things they didn't have, and I actually believe that we bought this unit on the Wednesday. So pertains to this episode. So we bought the, bought the episode. What am I talking about? We went on Wednesday. I don't even know where the fuck I am anymore, guys. I'm so sorry. These retrospectives are going to be difficult. Just trying to remember exactly which day. Not that even fucking matters, but I got one of those four square Ikea things for the coffee stand. And I got the little doors that they have. Like, so you can literally just put a door on it. So it does, it hides what's in the square. So I bought the two doors for the bottom and I have another unit in here. That's got just the drawers. So same color, same motif, whatever larger one has the drawers. They were a bitch to hunt down earlier this summer, but I, uh, oh, 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 big yawns, but I, I picked them up. Sorry guys. This is fuck. It's like, I haven't missed a beat. I'm slurping. I'm yawning. Why am I yawning? I'm on fucking Adderall. <laughs> which is not an endorsement for it. Speak to your doctor or medical practitioner, professional, what have you, before trying Adderall or any of its other subsidiaries, any stimulants. Anyways, I I struggled to find the pieces in Ottawa for the office. And then eventually they came in stock. In fact, I had to ask my, my mother to pick up the pieces for me at one point because I was still in the States when they became available. So she picked them up and then I picked them up from her, finished building that for the office a while back. So anyways, went to go buy those, those drawers again. And sure enough, they were sold out. I was like, fuck. And they're like, oh, they'll be back mid October. So I was like, you know what? I took a look and I saw that the Ikea in Montreal had them available. And that was kind of actually a, a half decent thing. I will say, because I have, I was like, you know what? One of the things I'd like to do on this trip is to take Chad to Montreal to a, just see a new city he's never seen before and b try uh, some Montreal smoked meat. So we went to the Ikea there. That was the whole point of that big, long lead up is that we went to Ikea and easy peasy found the drawers, got the fuck out of there. Did not, you know, pro tip. If you don't already know, go in the fucking back way of Ikea. When you come in, point yourself towards the caches and you can just walk through the caches and you're in the warehouse. You don't have to go through the, the giant maze of what do you think of this goofy ass living room or this goofy ass kitchen or this goofy ass dining room? Like you just fucking get what you need. God damn. Hey, first episode back, let's put y'all to sleep. So we did that. And then we went to Schwartz's and for those of you who don't know, Schwartz's is the, the name, the name, the place to get Montreal smoked meat. Now, Montreal smoked meat is a, you know, Jewish style brisket, Jewish style. Is that even a thing? I, I believe I'm accurate in that. I know that it's, it's seemingly like it's a kosher, kosher is Jewish style. Kosher is what I, the word I was looking for. And and, and they make it everywhere in Montreal. Now they ship, there's lots of places that try to do it and they ship it, you know, all over the place. But essentially, I don't know what it is. There's like a magic dome over Montreal because even the worst place in Montreal is 10 times better than the best place anywhere else. And trust me, I've eaten a lot of Montreal smoked meat, other places looking for something that can come close to what they do in Montreal. The flavor is the same. Yes. But the texture is so important because it's such a, when it's done right, it's such a soft meat. So they slice it and the pieces are just absolutely outstanding. So you can get the flavor 
in the meat elsewhere, but it's because it's more hard, dry. In fact, when you're ordering Montreal smoked meat, like really it's as simple as shaved brisket. They put it on rye bread and sometimes some mustard on it. Not a lot going on. So it's, it's similar and often mistaken for its uh, New York counterpart, the Reuben, which is like pastrami with sauerkraut and Swiss cheese on, on like, I think it's usually like pumpernickel. I don't think it's usually rye, but it's like, like a pumpernickel bread. And then they put like a thousand island dressing on it too. So more, more stuff added to uh, the Reuben, which again, you get one in New York, you know, incredible soft meat, whatever. Also again, kosher, if I'm not mistaken, but you can get Rubens other places and you're like, yeah, this is like corned beef. Like it's just, it's just dry and, and, and uninspired. So Schwartz's is the, the jam in Montreal. And, and in Montreal is like the only place where when you order a smoked meat sandwich, they say, do you want it lean, fatty, you know, lean, medium, or fatty? Whereas everywhere else, like you just get lean, lean pieces of meat and they're often much more dry. So the fat actually really helps moisten and, and flavor up the, the food. So anyways, I take him to Schwartz's and Schwartz's is a little hole in the wall on St. Laurent street in Montreal. And the wall has covered in pictures of, of famous celebrities who, who have eaten there. I believe Celine Dion is actually part owner, if not entire owner of Schwartz's, but you go by Schwartz's and there's a lineup at the door all the time. Sometimes a very short line. Sometimes it's a very long line, but it's such a staple in the world that, that it's one of those things you got to try when you're there. And even Anthony Bourdain, you know was, uh, was featured Schwartz's on one of his shows at some point. So like, it's a very famous spot. And so they, a few years ago, they opened up a takeout spot right next door. So the regular Schwartz's experience, you stand in line, you go in the front and there's, as soon as you walk in, it's like, it's really small guys. It's like a shoe repair store, like in terms of like just the width. I don't know why that's the, it's not even a measurement. It's literally just a mental concept. Like you walk in and they don't need a lot of space. On the right, on your right, when you walk in is a big counter where behind that counter, they're slicing all the meat for the sandwiches. Usually right up on top of that counter is all the, the orders waiting to go out. Following that on your right is just like your standard greasy spoon diner, you know, seating area where it's like, you know, the servers walk around behind it and you're sitting on a stool at the, at the bar and it's just right there, but it's like lowered, lowered. Like I said, diner style, breakfast diner style, not bar where it's way up high and they seat people there. And then to your left. As soon as you walk into your immediate left is a, is a little nook, like a podium. I would say like cash register, you know, desk. It's not, it's like podium style, small with someone who's just, you know, charging you for your orders. And that's afterwards when you dine in and then following left there, it's just a bunch of little, you know, six seater, small table styles and like, and only, only one of them. We're not talking big open room. Like there's probably seven tables that seat six. And they bring you in, they sit you down. If you're two people, you you'll, they'll sit you at a table with, with more people. Like they fill every single seat. There is no getting your own table. There's no relaxing. Like it's, it's, you know, you get in there like, what can I get for you? You know? Okay. Boom. They're back in like, you know, less than a minute with your food. Here you go. You know, you start eating when you get a bit halfway done. They're like, Hey guys, hey, thanks so much. Here you go. And they give you your, your bill. It's very like, it's very in and out. The, the turnover is very, very high. There is no sitting like, oh, that was a big, heavy meal. I'm going to sit for a minute. It's like, they, they kind of push you in and out. There's no real room. Like your back is, is kind of the back of your chair is touching the back of the chair of the person behind you. Even when you're sitting in, like it's, it's not a lot of space. And the whole reason is they sell so much. Like it's just printing money. I, I, I don't know how to describe it, but it's just, but that is the experience of Schwartz's. 
I know friends that live in Montreal and they're always like, oh, don't go to Schwartz's, go to, you know, this place, that place. There was one place that was right across the street from Schwartz's called the Main, but they just closed this year or last year. And it was, I've been to the Main. I've been to Montreal a bunch of times. So I was always like, yeah, I'll go somewhere else. Like the Schwartz's experience of standing in that line and then getting kind of railroaded in and out, you know, as you're, as you're walking in and you're asking for your order, they're tapping a plate on top of that, that bar like i told you when you first walk into the right they're like tapping a plan hey don't forget the boys everybody don't forget the boy like they want you to tip them before they've even taken your order they're like you know demanding tips and stuff like that so it's not it's not very hospitable you know you're getting pressured for tips you're railroaded in and out so the overall experience at schwartz's is not ideal it's not even really good, which is why most of the locals are like, fuck that. You're standing in line to get, you know, shoved in next to other people and then, and then go. Nope. But that is part of the experience of Schwartz's. That is like the, the, the Schwartz's culture of that, that store. So for myself, I've, I've done it many times in the past, but, but it seems like a few years ago, they opened up a takeout spot next to it and the takeout spot I go into. And it's usually only a few people in there. The last time I went earlier this year, there was, there was like a lineup of like 15 people or whatever. It still was pretty easy to go in and out. But the nice thing about that is you take it out, you go and you sit in your car and no one's railroading you. You're not sitting next to strangers. It's not loud, crowded, any of that stuff. So I, I go to the takeout window, but because this was Chad's first time having a Montreal smoked meat sandwich, I needed to take him to the best place because, you know, he'd never been to Schwartz's before. I needed to let him have that same experience that every other person has had who's gone into Schwartz's to eat. So we stood in line. It wasn't particularly long, maybe 10 minutes, maybe, maybe 15 minutes. And, uh, and then we got in, I asked if we could sit at the bar cause they were gonna put us at the table with a bunch of other people. So at least when you're sitting at the bar dining, you know, counter, whatever, you get a little bit more freedom around you for space, just a little. And so we sat there, Chad was super quiet. You know, I, I ordered for him. I, I got his lunch, just got him a, you know, medium sandwich just in case he doesn't like it or it's too full or whatever. And he, uh, he ate it, but he was quiet. I was like, I was like, you okay. And he's just like nodding, like not really saying much, sort of staring down, staring forward. And I was like, you're right, man. Like, and he's like, yep. Yeah. Like, do you like it? He's like, good. I'm like sitting there immediately the kind of person I am. I'm like, I'm like, did I, you know, did I say something? Did I do something? Are you all right? Like, like clearly you're not okay. This is not how you act when you're okay. So we just, we, we finished our meal. You know, I went to, went, we went to pay, we walked in as soon as they, we got like, you know, 10 feet away from the place. He's like, dude, I didn't, he's like, that food was great. I didn't like that at all. Like too many people be like, you know, too many, too many people being around, like, like close proximity, couldn't enjoy myself. I was like, okay, okay. I get it. Like, I, I didn't realize that you were, you know, just uncomfortable with the environment. Cause a lot of people just don't like it. I didn't realize he was, he was uncomfortable. So it was, you know, he had, he had the same experience that other people have, which is like, that place is busy, loud, just too many people, you know what I mean? And they railroad you in and out. It's like, yeah, well that's, that's Schwartz's, but he enjoyed the food. So again, if, if, if he and I ever end up in Montreal and would like a sandwich, we can go to the takeout because he has now experienced what it's like to go in there and, and see what you get when you're, uh, when you're ordering at Schwartz's, it's still a great place. And I still recommend anyone who's never had it before. If you're in Montreal, please, by all means, like if you absolutely hate crowds and you won't go because of that, then go to the takeout window next door. But I, I would just say that like, that's, that's a staple. I've been going to Montreal a long time and just that experience at Schwartz's has always been the case. Like, it's just always like that. So it's one of those things where like, it's almost like if you see a place that's so fucking successful, they can treat their customers like who gives a fuck. It's just, it's just an interesting thing to see again. Not one that I say, oh, you got to do it every time. No, you got to experience it once and then go, well, the, everything about that sucked, except the food was incredible. You go to the takeout window. 
you take it with you, you make a sandwich in the car or what have you, and you enjoy at your leisure. Nobody's telling you what to do. Nobody's telling you where to go. <clears throat> Easy peasy. So let's do, we went to Brent, we went to breakfast with my buddy, Richard, who is a onesie. Good dude. I won't mention his last name because he'll probably be upset with me that I'm going to fucking put him on blast again. I think Rich is the greatest. I think he's a great dude. He's a good buddy. Love spending time with him. Absolutely love spending time. He reached out. He's like, hey man, what are you up to? You breakfast soon? I was like, absolutely. Chad and I've been going for breakfast. I'm like, let's do this. I think it was like literally the day before. And I'm like, done. Let's do uh, let's do breakfast tomorrow. So we went to a place that we normally go to. That owner's a bit of a dick. The food's great. Everything's great. But the owner's a bit of a dick. So I got no problem being like, you know, fuck the name of the place. But Rich knows. I know. A lot of my friends know. We've probably been there. You know, we start having breakfast. Uh, I don't, I, I think I, I taught, caught him up on what's going on with me in the relationship. And then we, we had our regular thing. So I don't even remember how the conversation came up because he was telling me about going to a powwow, a legitimate powwow. I say that because like I refer, he, he was telling me one time, I, I go, you know, we should, we should powwow and, and chat about something like, I just, I, I use it as a, as a throwaway term for, you know, having a conversation, having a meeting of the minds, whatever it is. I mean, no disrespect culturally. It's just, you know, people like when people call food chow, I don't even know if that's offensive or whatnot, but it's like, you know, people call it chow. I think there's a lot of times people use like other, other words, you know, when someone's like, Hey man, you know, Hey amigo, how's it going? Like, you know, is that being culturally insensitive? It might be to some people it might be, but I, I think that, uh, again, I've, I've mentioned this on the podcast before that intent goes a long way. So if someone's being kind and nice and, you know, their, their intention isn't negative. I really, I really have a hard time being like, yeah, you should jump down their throat and give them shit for it. It's like a person's being a good person. You know, I don't, I don't know why, I guess I just don't know why intention doesn't mean anything anymore, but I digress. Rich and I were talking, he was telling me that he went to a powwow and I, I immediately just joked with him. I was like, Hey man, that's uh, that's cultural appropriation. You know what I mean? You can't, you can't say that where he's like, no, I went to like an actual powwow. And I was like, yeah, I know. I'm just fucking with you. But we, we had a conversation where I think it was fascinating to me. Again, I always like, like a lot of people think I'm, I'm deliberately contrarian where I'm just trying to get aroused. I'm just trying to be difficult and I'm not, it's, it's, I, I like to push, I like to push the boundaries of our thoughts and our interpretations on certain things. Sometimes, you know what I mean? Like just in terms of like, so like I, I was asking him cause he was saying like, Hey, you know, if you go there, like, you know, you go to a powwow and you're you know, we're, we're part of the, you know, we're experiencing the ceremony and they're very welcoming to a lot of people. And I was like, absolutely. I've done a lot of things with indigenous and they're always very welcoming, very, very kind people. I, I always have a good time at, at, uh, indigenous events. And I was just, uh, he was saying like, you know, you can come and you can like, you know, you get to experience the, the, the ceremony. I, I, you know, I think that's the proper term for it. Ceremony of the powwow itself. Uh, you know, we get to, you know, partake in the food and everything like that. And then and I was just like, okay, that's cool. And then I remember at one point I was like, like, Hey, what if you wore like some, you know, like indigenous clothing? And he was like, I think that's a little like appropriative, like, you know, cultural appropriation. And I was like, I go, well, I don't mean like showing up, you know, wearing like a, like a chief's headdress and things like that. Because I go, that's to me, I go, that's the same thing as wearing like a military uniform. Like it's stolen valor. You haven't earned that, that title or that, that rank you know, that, that level, whatever it's called. So I'm like, no, like you wouldn't do that. That's clearly like, if you show up and you're being offensive, you know what I mean? Like, again, it'd be like me showing up like a general. It's like, I, I'm not, a, even though it's my culture, right. You know, nor like, like Caucasian military, whatever, like I wouldn't show up at an event, a military event, a dressed in a uniform of an officer of any kind. Right. But I was like, 
but I was like, but what about like civilian clothing? I was like, how is, is that offensive to like, to be like, okay, I'm wearing like, you know, I'm showing up at an event and I'm wearing the cultural clothing. Like if I can take in, if I can take part in the cultural event, right. And I can eat the cultural food, like what's wrong with me wearing cultural dress. You know what I mean? Again, like the intention is merely like, if you're having an experience of culture, like why not experience all aspects of the culture? Again, if that's the intent and that's the, the, the motive behind it, I, I a struggle to find out why one thing would be appropriative and not the other. Now I'm not saying like you dress like that every day and you come home and you're like, oh, this is who I am now. Like, yeah, that's appropriate. Again, there's a part of me that, that, you know, like there used to be, there used to be a saying, you know, imitation is the most sincere form of flattery, right? So it was like a positive. Now, again, I'm not saying like, oh, we should just take everybody's cultures. Oh, if you want to be like that culture, just take it and do whatever you want with it. But I'm just saying that like, it's, it's funny because if someone's like, Hey, I had a really good experience and I really like, I really gravitate. I really resonate with that culture. I really identify, not identify, but I, I really relate to the views and, and things like that. So if someone was like, okay, like I just, I feel more in touch with that, that culture, that society than I do my own. Uh, sorry. I'm just having a side thought where I'm like, and I know in my head there's people who do shitty things. And then when they get caught or when they get called out, they make excuses like, oh no, I was doing this. And those people are pieces of shit. They're, they're actually the ones that make it so that people who are being sincere have a harder time of being like, I'm not, not trying to be rude to you. Like I'm, I'm, I'm legitimately interested. So for my position, it was like, why are, why are partaking in some cultural aspects? Okay. And, and partaking in other cultural aspects, not, and I'm saying all under the context that this is all happening at an event, right? Like, like I've seen people go to Mexico and buy sombreros and buy ponchos, you know what I mean? At, while they're in Mexico, you know what I mean? But if they come back and they're like, oh, I wear this every day because it's my culture. It's like, that's, that's not your culture and that's crazy. But I don't know if people wearing, you know, and again, like not in a mocking way, but like, you know, people go to, people go to Hawaii. I use this argument when we're sitting at the table. I said, well, someone goes to Hawaii and they put a layer around your neck. Like that's them inviting you to wear their cultural things and things like that. It's like very welcoming and charming. You know what I mean? So I'm like, why is that not appropriative in, in context of where you are and everything like that? But other things are. So again, like, I'm not saying I have a, a hard stance one way or the other, but I think that we're like, again, this is me on my fucking soapbox. I think we're always at a time where like, you know, people can pick and choose like, oh, this is bad. And I just go, why? Like if, like, why, like, should I be denied the food? You know, this isn't your culture, so you can't eat our food. Okay. But if I eat it, like I'm appropriating it. Like I just, I, I know that it's very, I'm, I'm only championing that if your intention is to partake, right. If people invite you to come be a part of it and say, like, we want you to experience our culture, that you're welcome, which is always how I felt in any indigenous event. I've always felt very welcome. It, it's just, my question is again, and Richard kept going back to, he's like, well, you can't just show up with the like, chief and war pain. I was like, again, I've addressed that in that I'm not looking to dress like their officers, just like I would not be dressing as, you know, military Caucasian officers to me, the, the stolen valor of it, you know what I mean? Like, like you're showing up and you're like, well, you're not that rank. You didn't earn that. And you know, like I, I totally agree with his position on that. I think that's. Even if that person's not intending to mock, it shows an ignorance on their part. I could definitely say that because it's like, you know, why wouldn't you wear a general's outfit? Well, I'm not a general. It's like, hey, but you're not a chief or, or whatever the, the, the station is just so that I'm not being offensive. I'm, I'm ignorant as to, I think they're chiefs, but I could be wrong. 
And that's what I'm saying. Like, like, even if you're, you're not trying to be rude, you're like, oh, I'm just trying to like wear stuff. Cause I got invited. Like, okay, well you're ignorant. You don't even realize like what you're bringing. Why would you buy those things or do, do that without even realizing like what it signifies? You know what I mean? So that's where I would say, I, I certainly agree that that does not, but if you're, but if you're wearing like, I think cause, cause Richard made the point, he's like, well, what if you, you know, if you're there and you're like wearing moccasins, it's like, okay, but that's like, you're wearing moccasins and then, you know, you have like uh, traditional, like, like leather pants or something like that. I don't remember the name of them and I apologize, but it was like, you know, you're wearing that and then you show up and you got like a, like a vest on, you know what I mean? Like a leather vest or whatever. And it's like, it's like, yeah, again, I, I don't know at the event why that would be a bad thing. Again, assuming this is just cultural civilian clothing. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, I'm not someone who would say that like, oh, if someone shows up from, you know, another culture and they're wearing jeans, I'm like, what are you, what are you doing wearing my cultural? It's like, no, everyone can wear jeans. They're just clothes. You know what I mean? So I, I don't, like I said, it's when you start wearing uniforms that, that have to be earned or, or what have you, like, that's where I would say, okay, because the same is true of my own culture. Right. So I'm not crossing any lines in that regard. I have started pausing it so I can drink without slurping your ear. I just thought a little, little callback to a to one of my own cultural traditions here on the one man podcast, right. To be able to slurp into the microphone and, you know, I just share with you what I'm drinking, how I'm drinking, why I'm drinking, who I'm drinking. No. So I don't know. It was just, it was just an interest. Like to me, I, I had sincere interest in that conversation and it wasn't to, to be contrarian. It wasn't to argue with rich because rich feels like we're always arguing. And it's just, I, I, I feel so the thing with Richard is a good person, right? So if someone just says to him like, Hey, you know, this thing is offensive to some people. It's like, oh my God, I don't want to offend people. I won't do that. But I was saying that like, we also had a conversation about like censorship in general on other shit prior to that. And it was just like, I just think in general, like, I, I think that sometimes we've really created a, a culture societally of like people getting in shit. No one wants to lose their job or get in trouble or whatever. And it's like, yeah, but, but it's okay to ask questions. You know, if someone's like, you can't wear that, it's our culture. I'm like, well, you're wearing jeans and that's, you know, more of a North American, you know, or, or Caucasian thing. I don't know. I don't know the origin of jeans to be completely honest with you. And I'm not going to Google it right now because we have too many other things to talk about, but it's just, if someone wants to decide, oh, well, this is my culture and you can't, but, but this is your culture. I think that there's a part of my brain when I was talking about it earlier, that was like, you know, in Quebec, they, they talk about the, the, you know, protecting the, the French language. And the reason is because they're worried they're going to lose their culture. Right. So I've been like, yeah, that makes sense. You should be able to definitely speak that Canada has two official languages. French is one of them. I think it's very important that, that, that they preserve their language. But one of the best ways to preserve something is to teach it to other people. And one of my experiences has been when I'm in Quebec, that when I'm speaking in French, they can almost tell right away that I'm Anglophone. They just switch to English. And I'm like, oh, that sucks. Like, Hey, I want to, I want to speak French, but there has been an I, this is, this is speculative because they have not confirmed it. However, I've, I've just talked with some people that have been like, yeah, there's a bit of an elitism behind French where they're like, oh, if you're not French, you don't get to speak French. You know what I mean? We're just going to speak English because you're not French. There's some rules that like some certain schools in, in Quebec, Anglophones can't go to because they're not French. You know what I mean? And they won't teach you French. Like you just, oh, you're not, you're not, you're not, you know, French, uh, French first or whatever you call it. Like. French Canadians like, well, you can't come that shit's elitist. Like just because of the language you speak, it's like, it's a school. You should be able to go there and learn that language, but it's just, it's this thing where it's like, oh no, but you can't because you're not. And so if someone walked around and be like, well, yeah, you shouldn't, you shouldn't speak French. It's cultural appropriate. It's their culture it's their language. And it's like, why can't I learn that language? Do you know what I mean? Like if their concern is that their culture is being threatened, then wouldn't something 
you know, helpful be to teach that language and therefore you're expanding those that know it, thus maintaining it, right? So, so I, again, I'm not accusing anyone of anything. I'm just saying that sometimes it's like, oh, you can't do this because you're appropriating a culture. It's like, or, or I'm showing like, there's, there's, you know, again, contextually, maybe I'm showing respect to that culture. Maybe I like that culture, you know? By, by wearing it, by, by speaking about the events, by sharing their stories and, and stuff, perhaps I'm showing respect to culture and thus protecting it because I'm, I'm essentially expanding it outwards, right? Marketing it. No, I'm kidding. Like it's, it's, I don't know. That was the position that I had. And as usual, like we got, we got heated on it, but my, my position was just that like, why, why would some things be okay to experience culturally and others not? And I welcome anyone who wants to set me straight because I'm open to it. I'm not saying I'm right. And I just want to blast my point. I'm saying that's how I look at it was like, why can't I, if I can partake in other cultural aspects, like why is wearing civilian clothes of that culture? Not okay. Right. Like, why can I put on a lay in, in Hawaii and that's not a cultural appropriation? Why can I not like, and, and I, my brain just now, my brain's like, well, you know, they offer it to you. They put it on you. Okay, great. Well, if you spoke to indigenous, you're like, Hey, you know, could I, could I purchase these? Like, I think Rich was even saying like at, at, at these events, like you can purchase, you know, things, you know, I'm not necessarily, not necessarily clothing, but maybe you can, like the whole point is that you can buy stuff, but if I'm like, but if I wear it, I'm bad. Like. It's just fascinating. So I would just ask like, Hey, am I allowed to, to wear these? They're like, absolutely. You know, if you're walking around mocking, it doesn't even matter. Like if you're doing the same thing in Mexico or what have you, like, it's just, it's, it's, you know, it is, doesn't need to be offered. It doesn't need to be consensual, you know, something like that. Sure. But again, if you're, if you're just like, you know what, I really enjoy this clothing and I wear it, you know, in my day-to-day life, you know, if someone came up and was like, Hey, are you making fun? Like, absolutely not. I'm not wearing more paint. I'm not wearing a headdress. I'm not doing anything stolen valor wise. I'm just, I really enjoy this. I find it very comfortable, you know, shit like that. Or I'm just, I'm supporting a community that I, that I care about by purchasing things. And, you know, this, this, you know, markings or what have you have like a story behind them. They they represent, I don't see any malice in that. And I think that shutting it down without any questions is, is also ignorant. So, like I said, dressing up like a chief and having no idea like that, that that's not okay is ignorant. And I think that, that just saying someone can't uh, experience anything culturally because it's just appropriative right away without asking some of these questions like, well, why is the food? Okay. Why is the ceremony? Okay. But not the clothing, you know, amongst other things, it could be completely other shit too, that I, that, that didn't come to pass, but that's me. I like to think and question again, our other conversation about censorship, there was a lot of like, well, you know, I'd question stuff. If somebody said something, I wouldn't just believe it. You know, I would want to hear what they have to say. And then I decide for myself whether it has any merit. So when somebody says like, you know, like, oh, we shouldn't, we shouldn't allow hate speech. I'm not pro hate speech, but I'm saying who gets to decide whether, whether it's hate or not. You know what I mean? Like I didn't, I didn't agree with certain protests and things going on, but just because I didn't like the message, like I said, like, imagine if, if whether you're pro-life or pro-choice, right? Imagine just someone decided your side was now hate speech. You know, if it was, let's say if it was pro pro life, they're saying, oh, you're anti-woman and you don't believe they should have the rights to to choose. If you're pro pro choice and you're saying, you know, oh, well, you're trying to murder babies. Like, let's just say somebody decides all of a sudden that what you're saying is hate speech and you can't say it. Like, imagine that. 
That's crazy to me that, that you could just not be a person and not be allowed to say what you think. Again, nobody, I don't think that anyone should be forced to have to listen to it, but I don't think that you should be able to go to jail and stuff like that for just speaking your mind. There's a lot of idiots out there that speak their mind on a daily basis and they don't go to, they don't go to jail for it. And not a lot of people necessarily listen or believe, but I'm just saying like, it's funny too, because a lot of people will hear what they deem as hate speech and know themselves that there's not really any relevance to that. Like they'll hear it and they go, that's stupid. What a dumb thing for that person to say. And I'm like, exactly. You heard it. And now, but the same people will be like, I don't think that's hate. They shouldn't be allowed to say that. I'm like, well, you heard it, right? Imagine I told you like, Hey, somebody was saying some shit and, and you didn't get to hear it. I go, they go, well, what did they say? I go, ah, you shouldn't, I shouldn't tell you because you're too stupid. Like you need to not ever hear it. Right. Like, and that person's going to jump online and try to fucking Google it or whatever. They're going to try to find that information. Right. So by, by saying people can't say shit, you're just going to drive them underground. They won't, won't stop them from doing it. Just stop them from saying it publicly. As I've said before on this podcast, there's all sorts of people on Facebook and stuff that'll be like, Oh, I think this, that, and the other. And if you don't agree with me, unfriend me right now. And I'm like, well, what a dumb, dangerous thing to do right? You want to curate your group of people to be people that only think and agree with the same things as you. You know what I mean? Like I like having friends with differences of opinions because that, that challenges my, my set of standards and values and things all the time. I get, I get to have conversations where I can potentially, like I said, challenge what I believe, take in new information, right? Maybe what I believe is dumb or not dumb, but maybe it's, it's lacking a very important piece of the puzzle. And when someone offers that to me because they don't think the same way, I'm like, oh, you know what? That actually is of, is of merit. A lot of people don't want to get into arguments because they're, they're not willing to have what they believe change or challenged but they want to get into an argument because they think they're going to change the other person's mind. And I think that's, that's also a pretty selfish, ignorant thing. Like if you go in with the expectation that you'll change their mind, but that they can't change yours, like that's, that's not even golden rule, right? Treat people the way you want to be treated. If you want them to be open to your side, you got to be open to theirs. But all that is to say that I'm not big on censorship. I don't, I don't agree with a lot of the shit that I hear. There's people that I've heard stuff. I go, what an idiot. But I, I have enough faith in my fellow man to know that for the most part, they're going to, if someone's stupid enough to hear something hateful and be like, oh, really? Okay. I go, I, I even said to, to Richard, I'm like, dude, don't, don't, you have kids. If they heard something stupid or crazy, they're going to come to you and say, dad, I heard this thing, da, 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 and you'll be able to, to share them your values. Hopefully you've instilled, you know, enough in them that they will be able to be their own person and, and they'll hear something hateful and go, that doesn't even make any sense. You don't just hate people. You know what I mean? Like shit happens, <laughs> shit happens in life where it's just like, oh, okay. Like I've heard people, you know, blame, blame minorities for where they are in life. I'm like, really? Were there, were there black people in your school every day stealing your, your textbooks from you and you could just never do your homework? I'm like, black people made you fail in school. Like it's, it's just, it's funny when people want to blame other people. And it's, it's just from, from. Uh, it's in a lack of an accountability, right? And, and people love excuses to blame someone else because if somebody else's fault, then, then how do you change it? Oh, I can't, I can't become better. I can't work harder because it's not even my fault, right? There's nothing I can do. It's not my fault. It's this person's fault. That person's fault. Classic trick. Keep us fighting amongst each other, you know, and, and no one pays attention to what's going on up top. So a long winded fucking conversation thing later, I'm just saying, have some faith in the people around you that if they hear something, they're not going to just immediately believe it right? The example I used in the debate was like a chick like Ann Coulter, who thinks like women shouldn't be able to vote and should stay in the kitchen. I'm like, I have never tons of people know who she is. She was even a guest on one of the roasts and they all shit on her publicly, 
right? They all made fun of how fucking dumb she was, but she, she still went out there and she still did it. She still said her shit, but the fact of the matter is I've never heard anyone that's, that's heard her speak or heard any of her views and believed or agreed with any of them. So that's why I don't think that, that censoring people and saying, oh, people shouldn't be allowed to say shit. I don't think that's smart because what you do is you'll breed more curiosity in them right? Because anything that we're forbidden or that's, that's scarce, you want, oh, there's this person talking, saying some crazy shit that we're not allowed to hear. I want to hear that. I know that that's, that's exactly a character type of me, right? All of us scarcity and abundance. So you can see this person anytime, right? who cares? There's this person who's talking there in the fucking secret society in the basement of a pub in ye old England. It's like, oh fuck, what are they saying? Right? Like those people, if there's somebody who's impressionable and, and things like that, and you know, they're going to find these people anyways. Those people will always find ways to, to get their message across to the dumb people that will listen to it. But to me, it's like, if you, if you send those people underground, then, then the intelligent open-minded people aren't hearing what they're saying anymore. And you're less prepared, right? Keep your friends close, your enemies closer, right? Knowledge is power. You, you send that shit to be hidden where you, where you don't where you don't hear what they're saying and doing and what they're influencing infinitely more dangerous than having the people out in the open, letting them say the things and go, I'm not listening to this and you walk away, but at least you know that, that, that what they're saying anyways. All right. Second foot off the soapbox. We're done. I'm going to move on to the absolute comedy. So that same night took Chad to absolute. He had a blast last time he was here. We saw Chris Gordon, my buddy from out West. And this time two great comics, both of which have recorded uh, interview episodes with uh, with myself there on the podcast. The host that week was Matt Davis, great comic. Matt is fucking hysterical. He's been traveling all over the world doing stand-up comedy, originally from Birmingham, Alabama, now makes his home wherever the fuck he is. And I don't mean like what space he is that I don't remember. I mean like literally wherever he's he's just traveling at, he's, he travels light, great dude. Matt Davis was hosting. It was good to see him. I haven't seen Matt since before the pandemic. In fact, seeing him... I had my Facebook account hacked a few years back during the pandemic and hadn't had an opportunity to like get Matt friended again. So like I sent a friend request, but he was like, oh, I didn't know it was you. I thought somebody like hacked your shit and was trying to send me a fake one. I was like, no, my other one was hacked and I was trying to reconnect. So saw Matt, did a great job. I got to, to do a spot on the show, which was great. And then the headliner was Alex Nussbaum, also with an episode. Alex was actually recording a new album. So I don't remember what he called the, the new album or if he even told me what he was going to call it. I think it's still in, in the works, but Alex was recording an album. It was very, very funny. It was great to see Matt and Alex on one bill. So Matt hosted Alex headlined. In fact, Matt is hosting this week, or sorry, headlining this week at Absolute Comedy. And then he'll be in Toronto hosting one week, headlining the next week at Absolute Comedy. And then Matt is back October 24th at Absolute Comedy. It's a Tuesday night. He's doing a show called Colorful a comedy work in pro sorry, a work in progress comedy hour. So I would definitely suggest coming to see Matt. I don't know what he's doing. I don't know if he's recording it or what, but it's a special one night only event at absolute comedy, October 24th. Strongly recommend coming out to see Matt Davis, 613-233-8000 to make reservations. Or just go to absolutecomedy.ca and you can, you can buy tickets for that event or you can see him in Toronto. And like I said, the next couple of weeks, Right, essentially right up until October 24th. I think the 22nd will be the last day. That's a Sunday. Last day he will be in Toronto. So I would say go see Matt if you can. He's a great comic, very funny dude. And if you're there, please go introduce yourself to him and tell him that I sent you. But it was a good night. I got to do a spot on the show. Saw my buddy Rory Gardner and my friend Janelle Niles also doing spots on that show. So it was nice to just see everybody say hello. It's been a hot minute since I've done any comedy on stage. And it actually went well because again, getting on stage, a lot of my material is about relationship and the kiddos and stuff like that. And 
you know, that's not who I am right now. So it was interesting to just do some bits that had nothing to do with that. And just inspires me to get back to, you know, like I said, getting one of these podcasts recorded kind of every day or every other day until I'm caught up, just reminding me to get out to you guys, shoot shit with you, let you know what's going on. And, and then spending some time writing and, and, and being who I was meant to be, which is a, a funny person, not a, you know, whatever it is that I'm doing now. Like I like doing my brand ambassador work. It's nice being a personality, but at the end of the day, I'm, I run my mouth. That's who I, it's who I am first and foremost. So I'm, I'm excited to, to be working on that again. Hopefully this desk isn't going anywhere, which means that I have a clean, calm, easy space to just plug my shit in and record an episode. No more cleaning off my desk and taking all day to organize and put shit away. My, my, I've told you guys before in the past, but my, my old desk, literally every piece of paperwork, everything I've done, you know, just to get this you know, it's, it's cleaning off my desk was like, Oh fuck this thing. I was supposed to file, go do that, you know, jump online to, to pay something. And then there's an error and then I have to send an email and then I have to call somebody to reset my account so that I can get, you know what I mean? Like, like what should be a bunch of five minute tasks ended up being a bunch of other stuff. I've already had two or three of those this week yesterday, but I'll tell those on next week's episode. I've written them down, but it's just like something that should be two seconds long, taken way too long. So looking forward to, to doing stand up again. What else did we do? We, uh, I, I, on Saturday, I tried to do like a little sidewalk sale. I was telling you guys about that. I've, I've mentioned the JD Bauer botanical soaps that I sell. He's a great dude. Love JD. The last shows that I was doing in May, I had ordered some soaps from him, but there was a bit of an issue, I guess, with shipping, you know, it was just delayed or something like that. I really don't know why, but all of the soaps got to me the week after I had done my show. So they weren't here in time for me to sell after the shows. And then I ended up with a bunch of stuff and I'm like, okay, well, the next time I'm on stage is like, I had nothing booked. So I'm like, I don't know. And I'm leaving the country for like six weeks. So I was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta find a way to sort of move some of these products. And because I live in the burbs now and you know, the, the area seems to be quite a few well-to-do people. I was like, well, you know what? This seems like a neighborhood that would like the fresh, natural, you know, organic, vegan, artisanal soaps. So I, I spent some time posting in some local community groups, just to try, try to create a buzz. Cause we're sort of, you know, if you looked at my whole neighborhood, like a, like a rectangle or a square, we're kind of hidden away in one of the corners. And I don't mean like sort of in the corner. I mean like damn near right in the corner, right along the edge of one side and, and, and one street down from, from the very last corner of the neighborhood. So I put up some signs did a lot of work. Can't even say that I made enough money to cover the cost of, um, I bought a table, folding table from Costco. Now they're on sale. Thank God. But I bought a folding table from Costco. I bought like a, like a stretchy table cover from Amazon, which are things I've used in marketing a ton of times. So I'm like, yeah, I'll make a nice table. I'll put the stuff out. It was a nice little display, but I got my neighbor next door, picked up some stuff. There wasn't anybody who even really came down the street. You know what I mean? But a couple people walking their dog stopped. So I sold a few things. But it was a bit of a bust in the sense that we're just hidden away. So um, I think going forward, I would advertise it for a little while first, you know, maybe put out a, a little video describing sort of what stuff is, but I know I've got some shows coming up. I'll be hosting at absolute comedy in November. So I'm going to bring the stuff with me there. But uh, I just knew that, you know, as September was winding down, there wasn't many warm days left, although I've been very mistaken. It's been like 27 degrees here at fucking night. Just like, Hey, I, I should, uh, I should probably take advantage of one of these good days. See if I can sell some products, put some, some cash back in my account. So yeah, I think too, during would have been, would have been last week. So maybe I'll talk about it on that episode, but I've, as a result of the split, Crystal and I have, have, have had to separate certain assets and 
And so I've had to replace things like mattresses and, and, and certain other things that are not cheap. So it's been, uh, it's been a, it's been a go. We're already, you know, spending because of the move and some other stuff. So it's just not a good time. So I literally do need to move some products. So, Hey guys, Hey, if anyone wants any, we'll make it. No, I'm kidding. So yeah, that was just a, an attempt at like, Hey, I've got this inventory, you know, let's see if I can get some stuff, let's get some stuff moved. I also, it's funny cause I'm talking about how I needed cash, but I also did an upgrade on my, on my, on my phone, as I mentioned in the last episode, which I haven't recorded yet. So I, I upgraded to the, the Apple, I, the Apple iPhone, the Apple iPhone 15, iPhone 15 pro max. I was just that time of the year. And I also upgraded my AirPods because my AirPods have started to not work particularly well. Like I bring them with me everywhere. I don't always use them, but I use them for like Bluetooth headsets. And just every now and again, it's nice to be cleaning or doing something around the, the room or the house without having to carry around a Bluetooth speaker or, or, you know, affect anyone else's, you know, audible space. So I got the, uh, the, the third gen AirPods. So they're the, the new little shorter ones, but not the pros, not the ones that have the little jelly things that go in your ears. I don't, I've never really cared for those. I don't like things that sort of suction my ears. So I opted to go with the regular AirPods third generation with the new one. I can't say that they, they don't fit anywhere near as well as the previous ones. The little ones with the longer stems on them, the original AirPods just fit in my ear much better. So I don't know if I have weird shaped ears or whatnot, but just these ones, these ones are larger. The, the, the dome part of them is larger. So it feels like they don't fit in my ear as well. So I, I get a little more trial and error. I haven't really used them much other than like as a, you know, Bluetooth headset for phone calls. But, um, as time goes on, I'll see if I can get them, get them better, but that's my, my overall review of them so far is just, I got new AirPods. They're fucking 200 and some dollars. Yeah, I guess it is what it is. I also upgraded to the Apple watch series nine. So the reason I did that was for starters, I, my, my Apple watch series three is fine, but I've been, I was just noticing for some time that like, you know, I'd be sleeping, you're not sleeping, but I'd be, be laying down in bed and my heart was still kind of going, I'm on, I'm on blood pressure medication now have been for some time. And I was just noticing that like, you know, now again, I, I was spending a lot of the day moving shelves, moving furniture, packing, unpacking, you know, like lifting, cleaning. Like I was really giving her a good solid go. And I would notice that like, you know, like after a while, not during the moment, but like later on, just even like laying down, just like my heart still was, was kind of going a bit, not insane, but for a resting heart rate, I'm like, it's not, that's not, it's a little bit of pressure there. So I just know that on the newer Apple devices, the new Apple watches, they've got more, more heart monitoring things. Like they can detect odd fibrillations and stuff. Whereas like the previous one that I had, the series three only had like a heart rate monitor, right? So it could tell how many beats per second, but not necessarily if they were beating irregularly or anything like that. And so part of me was like, you know what? It would be nice to have something on my, my wrist essentially hooked up to a, a small ECG or EKG or whatever the hell it's called just to be making sure that, you know, if, if something is going a little awry, that maybe I, I get a little bit more of a heads up and I can, can, you know, correct it, rectify it, reconcile, whatever the hell it is, prevent it sooner. Because again, I've got friends who are paramedics who have straight up said like, you know, once you arrest, it's pretty much over the, the TV shows make it look like it's simple as zapping somebody with a defibrillator. But, you know, I've had friends say to me like, defib like fibrillation is like an erratic heartbeat when there's no heartbeat there's nothing to correct. So the defibrillator is like, if it's all erratic, it's supposed to shock it and put it back on track. 
And I've been told that with, with, with no heartbeat, you know, there's nothing, there's no beat to correct, right? You got to get that, that heartbeat again. And that's been explained to me that that's done with like drugs and stuff like that. It's not done, you know, with a, with a defibrillator. So good to know. So if anyone's like, oh, if I'm flatlining, they'll just zap me and bring me back. Like I've, I've got friends who've said they've worked on people and when you arrest, you're pretty much done. So yeah. So I, I don't want to die right now. Not, not right now. So I'm like, you know what? I'll get the Apple watch series nine. Now I was also been looking at Apple watch upgrades for a long time. And one of the issues I had was that like my series three was the first Apple watch where you could put a, a virtual SIM in it or an eSIM or whatever they call it. And the idea is there's nowhere for a SIM card to actually go, but essentially what happens is that you can make phone calls with just your watch without having your phone. Which I was like, oh, that's great. If I forget my phone, I still can make a call with my watch or or whatever. Now, since since I got that, like I I I think I financed my watch through like my cell phone company, which a lot of them will still do. But there's two types of Apple watches. There's the one they call GPS, and then the one GPS plus. You know, I think not Wi-Fi. I don't know if they call it with cellular or like, or with 5G or whatever, but the whole point is that it's a watch that can connect to the cell towers. The GPS watch cannot. Now, there was only two times that I can remember that I ever made use of being able to call my watch because I didn't have my phone. Now, in those moments, I was very glad I had that ability. One time I couldn't find my phone and I used my watch to call Crystal and say, hey, is is my phone still sitting? Like this was years ago. So I'm like, hey, is my phone in the, the bedroom by chance? Whatever. She's like, yeah, you left it on the, the table here. I was like, okay, great. I don't need to panic. Like, I only went out to get groceries or whatever, but it was like, okay. This was like years, not not since we moved to the new place. But it was just like, okay, I left it at, at your place. Okay, great. Don't have to worry. The phone's on the table. And I wouldn't have known, you know, I wouldn't have been able to do that with with the, the GPS watch because there's no cellular. And then there was one other time where I was able to call the phone and it turned out it was at home or something like that. So only twice have I needed to make a call that, or, or I like, for some reason left my phone deliberately, which I don't know how anyone do that. The only, the only one I'm confident in is that first story, but I know that there was a second time where I had to make a call and I didn't have my phone, but that's over the course of like seven years. And so I, I had a, a grandfathered plan, which was Basically, when I bought the watch, they broke it up into equal payments and they financed it to me. No problem. But then they also charged me a $10 a month fee to be able to connect my my watch and my phone to my account so that I could use the watch to make calls. But once that two years was up, that $10 dropped off my account and I just had the ability to use my watch on my account, no extra charge. Well, the my, my cell phone provider has since changed that policy years ago, changed that policy. And if you add a new watch. Now it's $10 a month automatically. Like you don't get to waive it. There's no whatever. It's just indefinitely $10 a month for that service. And for myself, even though 10 bucks isn't a lot, like I'll literally blow $10 on fucking breakfast at a drive through or something and not bat an eye. But I was like paying $10 for a service that I've used once, you know what I mean? Or twice, once or twice in seven years, I'm like, I'm literally going to spend $120 every fucking year on something I'm not going to, you know, I don't think I'm going to use, right? Because the GPS watch will do everything that the other one do shy of shot. The other one do that. The other one does shy of being able to make calls without your phone, but with your phone in your pocket, you can call with your watch. No problem. The watch will still make calls. It just has to be in proximity of your, of your phone. So I asked a bunch of questions and I was finally like, you know what? I can just buy the watch 
and say goodbye to the other one. You know what I mean? Like, I don't need to have that sell feature. I don't need to spend $120 a year because after like four years, I've bought, you know, another watch. So it's better to just save that money. That was my position on it. And so for anybody else who's like, oh, I want to get an Apple watch and, you know, my, my cell phone provider is, is offering to, to give me one equal payments. Just know that the reason they're doing that is they're going to sell you a cellular one and it's going to cost you 10 bucks a month. So now that Apple, you know, offers uh, equal payments through a firm. You can get pretty much the same price as your cell phone provider in terms of breaking up equal payments, but Apple, you can get a GPS one only. So you don't need to get the cellular version and, and the cellular companies will not sell an equal payment. You a GPS one because they don't make any money. So the whole reason they want to give you the watch with equal payments is so they can sell you the, the cellular gas, if you will. So they're going to break up the cost of the car and they'll start, they'll charge you for the gas every month for 10 bucks. Right. Whereas if, you know, if they just sold you this, the, the GPS, there's nothing that they can add on. And why would they carry a bunch of inventory for something that they're just going to break even on by, by financing it to you without being able to sell you any add on, you know what I'm saying? So that's, that's how that works. If you've ever wondered, oh, why are they willing to give me all this stuff? Go save yourself a hundred and some dollars by getting the GPS one. And if you need equal payments, break it up at Apple. You can do it right there in store. That is what I did. So upgraded to the Apple AirPods third generation, Apple watch series nine. So far the AirPods, like, again, I haven't really given them too much testing. I wouldn't mind playing some music and whatnot. I'm not really one to walk around listening to music in AirPods. It's more, if I'm stuck, you know, out and I don't have, you know, a Bluetooth speaker or something, but when I'm at home, I prefer to, to put on a Bluetooth speaker or have the music playing through the TV. I don't enjoy having stuff in my ears, especially these ones are bigger. So they kind of, they kind of hurt kind of. I don't know, like these ones here, it's like, you're supposed to slide them in and then give them like a slight turn. I saw like a little, little animation on, on Apple showing how you're supposed to put them in. So they slide down and in, and then you turn it forward a little bit to lock into place. I was like, oh, that's why they don't fit. And then I tried it that way yesterday. And then like, they're still kind of awkward. Like they don't just go in and, and sit. Even if you turn them, they're not like, okay, now they don't fall out. These ones feel weird. And I feel like they're going to fall, but I'm going to try it you know, out and about and see if that works. See if I can get more comfortable with them. Cause the other ones were starting to like not work. So even when they were detected, you know, and it showed that in my ear, like they just wouldn't play, it was getting harder and harder to get them to connect and they still work. So again, if I would just put them back in the thing, pull them back and again, they worked, but they were, uh, they've been loyal for a few years and it's time for, uh, for an upgrade. Yeah. What else guys? What else? We went for breakfast at Gabriel's pizza. Here in Ottawa, I would suggest that there's a couple locations, but only one that I'm absolutely certain of the hunt club and bank street location of Gabriel's pizza. They do breakfast in the mornings. It's absolutely fantastic. I always get a breakfast frittata, which is essentially like they get the little small pizza. And what they do is they put, instead of pizza sauce, they put hollandaise sauce. They put some egg. I guess they fry the egg and chop it up sausage, bacon, I believe that's it. And then they put mozzarella cheese on top, throw that in the oven. So you're getting like basically a breakfast pizza. It's delicious. And of course, home fries and fresh fruit, whatever. Love it. So Chad and I went for breakfast there. Chad got, Chad got like a French toast or something like that. It's just a nice spot. We basically did a Broadway's breakfast. We did that other place that I won't mention because they're assholes, but it's a good breakfast. Still got to go. And, and we went to, to Gabe's pizza for breakfast too. I don't think we went to any other breakfast spots, but we went to a couple of them more than once. So that was nice. Chad's got a love of poutine as well, which is something he digs as an American where they don't have it available. So we went to the great Canadian poutinery four times and I'm sure I'll mention on the previous episode, cause that's where like, you know, first night we were there, he's like, oh yeah, you got to take me there. And we got it, but, but Chad definitely, definitely likes that again, just, just cleaning and organizing a ton throughout the course of the week. 
I even had one night where myself, Chad, and Angie. So once Chad was home, I'll tell you about the drive back in a minute. But once Chad was home, we actually played code names online. So it was funny for the first time in a very long time. All Chad, Angie, Dylan, and myself, my little internet family, were all online at the same time, and we just played some code names on the web. So great game. Played at codenames.game, but it was great. It was great. We had a, a nice little time, you know, together with each other. Before I tell you about driving Chad home, I'll, I'll tell you about, we, had, we went and we had a good night at Chris's place. So Chris, again, regular, or at least maybe we'll say infrequent guest host of the one man podcast. Chris, you know, invited us over for dinner. Chad and I stopped and got a cake for Chad's birthday, but, uh, but Chris pulled out the stops. He, he bought, he got into like, I guess like maybe not wood fire oven pizzas, but like that idea where you're making your own dough and, you know cooking it proper. I believe he had one in his backyard, but then he's since bought like an electric pizza oven for inside. But Chris went through the trouble of making all the dough from scratch so that we had fresh dough for pizza and getting the pizza oven going and doing everything. Like it was, it was a lot of, of effort. So Chris did that and we had that for dinner. It was nice to catch up. First off, introduce, you know, Chad and Chris to each other because Chris has played some games with me on the, the PlayStation and, and, and Chad has been present while we're shooting the shit. So an opportunity for him to meet somebody who he's, you know, chatted with online in the past. Also got to introduce, you know, Chris to, to, sorry, not Chris, Chad to Chris's wife, Rebecca, who's a sweetheart. So it was nice. I haven't seen them or spent time with them since the pandemic. Like we've chatted online. I think we hung out in the backyard once, but in terms of being back in at the table that Chris and I have recorded podcasts and stuff at before, it was nice to be back in that dynamic and seeing my buddy and whatnot. It was great. Chris also made me a cup of what I have deemed his space coffee. And as Chris pointed out, like we've talked about it on the podcast before, but just going to kind of like, you know, Chris is like me in the sense that he's nuts. He gets into things and he dives in with both feet. And I got no problem with that. I totally get that. If you're like, if you're going to get into shit, why not immerse yourself, right? Why half-ass something? Fucking get in it, learn about it, learn as much as you can about it. And then, you know, either move on to something else or adopt what you've learned into your, your regular routine. So Chris makes this, what I have deemed space coffee, because the process of which he, the, the process of which, that which he goes through to, to make his cup of coffee in the, the morning is uh, very involved in my opinion. So I was almost like, like I was chatting with him again. I was making fun of it. And, but I was like, Hey man, if you can make me a cup after dinner, I was so full of pizza. I was like, I would love to just have a cup of coffee to go with the, the cake that we're going to have. Hmm. And so I was even saying like, just the stuff that he gets, like what he uses. So Chris has sent an email. I bothered him and said, Hey man, would you send me an email of like, of the process and what you do and everything like that so that I can share it with the onesies. Cause I think it'll be great content. And at the same time, I just, I I'm, I'm immersed with, with, with what you're doing. You know what I mean? Like, I want to know what's the process. How much would it cost me to, to grind my own coffee? And again, I use an espresso. So mine's in capsules. It's easy. I like the coffee, but I do like a good cup of coffee and I drink several cups of coffee a day. I would never be able to do what Chris does because Chris has one cup of coffee and that's it. Whereas I'm like the process of which, you know, he has to go through his, his coffee and everything like that. It's, it's, I couldn't do that five, six times a day. And the amount of time it takes to make one, I probably wouldn't even do that. I would wake up, brush my teeth, take my pills, right? All that, that morning stuff, make, make my Nespresso, which takes 30 seconds. I can walk away from it while it's, while it's doing it easy peasy, but it's still great coffee. And it's one of the things I look forward to when I know I'm going over to, to hang out with my buddy. So we played some PSVR two games. So as, as it stands, we normally play board games, but 
Chris is like, Hey, I got the VR too. If you want to check it out. And uh, Chad's like, absolutely. And I was like, sure. Why not? I was so full. I was like, I can't move around and do VR dodging and swinging. I'm like, I'll throw up. So I went downstairs. I laid on the couch like a manatee and, and I watched them play some games. Chris was showing us. It looks infinitely better than the first VR. I had the first PlayStation VR, but this one seemingly like you don't need a camera for it. It's got its own cameras in the front. It definitely looked a little more streamlined, but seemed fun. Looked cool. The controllers are like these weird circle things. They look like gyroscope Tron fucking things. That episode of South Park where they got the, 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 the whatever they called it, the, the, the little spinny gyroscope cars, whatever. They look like those. Anyways, you can fucking Google a, p- a picture of the PlayStation VR 2 and you'll see what I'm talking about. But anyways, they had the weird controllers. So him and Chad were playing games. So they played this game called Pistol Whip, which is a game where you're... To me, it looked like super hot VR meets Beat Saber or something like that, where essentially you're trying to shoot bad guys in in time in, in tomb and sync with the beat, right? You get more points the more if you're like bang, 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 like as an example. But the tunes are kind of cool. So the idea is that like you fire to the beat and you get more points with how accurate you are. And of course they're firing at you too. So you gotta kind of try to dodge the long bullets coming at you like arrows. You could see it for a couple seconds on its way. So Interesting enough game, both Chad and and Chris tried it, not interested in trying it when I was full. Chris put on Gran Turismo racing game for PS5, just talking about how immersive it feels to be in the VR, looking around at the, you know, at the scenery while you're driving. Both Chad and him tried that. They tried a mini golf game, which was kind of cool. Like, like they, at first he was like, oh, such and such golf. I'm like, I'm not interested in golf. He's like, no, no, it's mini golf. So again, that one looked kind of cool. Just, you know, you're standing in a virtual, you know, mini golf course playing again. I'm, I'm, I'm laying there full sipping on my space coffee. Just like, I'm glad you guys are having fun. And then Chris told me one that I feel would be more, more up my alley. Still not in that moment, but if if I had to put one of them on, it probably would have been this one just because it's, it's, it's more cerebral in my opinion, driving, shooting, golfing, not particularly cerebral. This game is called the last clock winder. And essentially what it, what it is, as Chris was explaining to me, it's like, you know, you've got all these robots and you need to like move things from one spot to another. You need to, you know, move pieces. It's gonna be very difficult to explain. Cause even Chris was like acting stuff out and, and it made it, you know, I'm a visual learner. So it made it easier. So if you're like me and you're like, I I'm not getting what you're saying, I would say Google it. But the last clock winder is essentially like if you need a ball to like go across the room, it would be like this ball just shows up. So what you do is like you, you mimic the hands and you grab the ball and then you throw the ball across the room. And then you kind of like program that motion, the ball being thrown. But right now it's just the ball being thrown across the room. So it's hitting the floor every time. So now you got to walk over to the other side of the room as this automated hand is throwing the ball. And then what you got to do is time it so that you're catching the ball, you know, and doing the next step. Right. And then you program that it. So now a ball gets thrown, gets caught. And then what's the next step? So it's essentially, you're like building this engine, this machine of parts moving and things being done. Like that was a very, very scaled down version of it. But, you know, Chris loaded a, a level that he was working on and just showed robots everywhere doing things, operating stuff. And it's like, you have to program in all these movements. You're basically just showing them what to do and designing your own. I'm sure there's multiple different ways. There was a computer game forever ago called the incredible machine. And I mean, forever isn't like when I was a little kid and the whole idea was that just gave you parts and stuff, but there's a name for it. I'm going to hit pause so I can get you the proper name, but in Pee Wee Herbert, excuse me, there's all these different, like 
you know what I mean? Like in Pee Wee's Playhouse, like like a ball would fall down a ramp, which would hit a boot, which would swing over and kick something over, which would drop a weight onto something else. You know what I mean? So I'm going to get the name of that just so you guys can Google it and see what it's called. Give me one sec. Okay. So I believe this is like the first thing I, I just Googled <laughs> machine made with random parts. And then of course the wiki, so it's called a Rube Goldberg machine. And like right in the first paragraph of, of the explanation on Wikipedia, there's like a reference to Pee Wee's big adventure. So I'm just going to read this to you guys and hopefully it makes more sense, but I'm sure you already understand what I'm talking about. So a Rube Goldberg machine named after American cartoonist Rube Rube. So like if you spun rude, if you spun it backwards, R U B E Goldberg is a chain reaction type machine or contraption intentionally designed to perform a simple task in an indirect and impractically overly complicated way. Usually these machines consist of a series of simple unrelated devices. The action of each triggers the initiation of the next eventually resulting in achieving a stated goal. The design of such a machine is often presented on paper and would be impossible to implement in actuality. More recently, such machines have been fully constructed for entertainment. For example, breakfast scene at peewee's big adventure and in rube goldberg competitions because yeah i've seen them online now where there's like a ball that falls but it hits like little chimes and it makes a makes music i don't even know if those are ai generated because sometimes how far these balls fall down while they're rolling i'm like is this thing like 16 stories high over the years the expression has expanded to mean any confusing or overly complicated system news headlines include but are not limited to is representative Bill Thompson, the Rube Goldberg of legislative reform and retirement insurance as a Rube Goldberg machine. I don't fucking get that half a century after his death, even scientific hypotheses deemed to be overly complex have been described by referencing such machines as with linking solar gamma ray signals to dark matter, seeming to be like a Rube Goldberg type thing. So I won't read you their origins and competitions and stuff, but people have conceptualized. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, even in back to the future, like in one of doc Brown's labs, there was like Rube Goldberg type stuff where it's just like a bunch of little things to do it. Like they said, a simple task. So overly complex, whereas, you know, whatever, sometimes there's dominoes in Rube Goldberg, trying to kick something over dominoes fall. And then the last one starts the next thing up. But anyways, all that is to say that it's that kind of thing, if I'm not mistaken, like they're not, sorry, not, not the last clockwinder, but the, the game, the incredible machine was based on like Rube Goldberg. So you get all these parts and, you know, you'd have a screen where at the beginning, you know, a ball would fall or whatever, something like that. But you know, you'd have like a little ramp you could put in. Okay. It's like, well, now the ball falls down the ramp and then drops down off screen. So it's like, okay, but then now I'll put this boot there. And so like, you know, when the thing comes, the boot kicks the ball the other way and now it goes the opposite way. It's just little shit like that. And you get, you'd have like a certain amount of parts. You didn't have an unlimited amount. You'd have a certain amount of parts and you had to figure out how to make the ball go from point A to point B using the parts. It reminds me of a game called Lemmings, which some of you may know. It's actually made by the same people who've done the Grand Theft Auto games. But Lemmings was like a game where you get Lemmings coming in and they literally just fall. It's like a giant line of Lemmings and they just walk around until you put other types of Lemmings that'll block, that'll build steps, that'll that'll mine, that'll that'll bash that'll blow up like whatever it is and the whole idea is just getting the group of lemmings from point a to point b using these different things so huge digression of what i was saying but but the last clock winder is is you know at least from what i saw and from what chris describes seemingly like creating your own rube goldberg goldberg was it goldberg i've already closed it we'll never know yeah goldberg rube rube goldberg machine but by like using the hand motions and stuff like that. So using these robots to, 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 to literally move the way you're telling them to move so that things can go from point A to point B. Now, while they were playing this, Chris ex- uh, introduced me, he had these, these beanbag chairs 
And he's like, oh yeah, we got those during the pandemic or just beforehand or whatever. And I was like, I sat in them guys. And I can't even tell you, like, it was so comfortable. My, my neck and back have not been this supported in so long. So I'm like, dude, I haven't been this comfortable in a long time. So I'm just laying on the floor and I'm also full, but I'm like sitting in this, this, this beanbag chair. That's essentially, it's like, it's kind of like a tiered, like an L-shaped teardrop. So the back kind of goes up. So when you sit in it, it pushes all the beads up and it creates like neck support and stuff for you. Can't, can't even tell you how much I enjoyed that. And I have not, I have not stopped thinking about them since now they are $300 Canadian, about 200 and change American to purchase. Now I don't want to give them a free plug right now, but I have well, I mean, again, I'm recording this a little bit late, so I've done a few things. I'll tell you about it in the next episode, but all I can say is that I sat in these things and that's probably my biggest takeaway from the evening. I enjoyed the space coffee. I enjoyed listening to Chris talk about his pizza oven and just making pizza. You know, I enjoyed, I mean, again, I enjoyed spending time with my friends. That was the most important thing, but sitting in that chair, like me leaving, like as much as he was telling me all these different things he purchased to make great space coffee, the, the PSVR two, which someday I'll get, but this chair, I was like, man, just like, I'd love to be reading more. And one of the issues I have with reading is I can't find a comfortable place to sit and read. So if I can sit in this chair and I'm comfortable enough to be able to hold the book, oh my God, I can read more. Yeah. Yeah. I'll leave it at that. That was great. I had a great night with Chris. Great time with Rebecca. Great time with Chad. It was great. We, we did play some video games, our own on our own hanging out here at my place. I played some God of War Ragnarok, which is a game I started. I think I only played it for about I think I still lived at Jason's or I downloaded here, but I played it for maybe an hour, hour or two here. And it was the only time I ever picked up my PlayStation controller prior to like this last week. And so I started playing God of War Ragnarok. It is a sequel to God of War, which came out on the PlayStation 2018. And so far it's fine. It's a great game. It's a lot of fun. I don't know much about the story. I can't speak much to it. All I know is it's a game that they're also looking to make like a, a movie or a series on thoroughly enjoy playing it. It's going to be one of those ones that sucks you in and steals your life for a while. So difficult for me to say much about it because I'm still very early stage of the game, but I played it for a few hours and I thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm thoroughly enjoying the surround system that I built. And I'll tell you guys about that in the last episode, episode 334. I will talk about that in depth, but um, I got to enjoy surround sound gaming. So like when, when something explodes behind you, you hear it actually behind you. Just cool. Just a good elevator. I got to actually enjoy something that I've, I've owned for months now and, and haven't had an opportunity to both the surround system and uh, the game. Chad was playing games. So we got, while I was putting up shelves and shit at times, because again, moving rooms and whatnot, I've been putting up shelves, you know, building Ikea furniture, stuff like that. Chad's here, you know, on a bit of a vacation. And I got to say like, it's been a bit of a vacation for myself, just having him here. It's nice to with everything that's going on, it does at times, like at a lot of times feel like it's like kind of three, three on one here. Right. So it's crystal, the two kids. And then me, it, it, it's like I said, nobody's being, well, my communication with crystal is fine, but it's not particularly warm. It's like, it's like the same stuff that we would say at the end of the day, like, Hey, how was your day? Whatever, blah, blah. But there's no, there's no like, like affection. Like I I'm, I'm very much interested in just trying to be friends right now. And I understand for her, she's like, that's, that's difficult. I'm not ready to like hang out or be friends, but I'm just kind of like, like I said, I don't have any ill will or animosity. And I'm like, and I care about her, I love her. But I just think that in terms of the relationship, like the relationship is over, but if we're going to be roommates and stuff, like it would really be nice to, to be friends. 
But like I said, right now, because of the dynamic and everything, I'm spending a lot of time like in my room, whatever. So if, if Chad hadn't been here, this is the reason why I'm telling you all this. If Chad hadn't been here, it would have been, inc- I would have been even lonelier. You know, there's a certain emotional loneliness that comes from the change, but I would be even lonelier. So, and like I said, you know, in time, I'll tell you guys more, but effectively Crystal has two people that, you know, she loves that love her under the same roof. Whereas I had that. And now that it's over, I'm very, I feel very isolated from them. So it's just nice to be like, well, they can talk to each other. They can have conversations about what's going on and how they feel and stuff. I'm very, very much alone at that. And, and for whatever reason, sound carries super loud in this house. So even right now I can hear myself in my ears cause I'm wearing my headset. I'm talking directly into the mic, but I have no idea how loud I'm being, even with my door closed. So, you know, I, I do have to say I have amazing, wonderful people in my life. My buddy Mika, I was chatting with him the other night, you know, rich listened to me. Like I, I love so many people. I, I, it's hard to feel sorry for yourself or sad when you have so many people that just love you, care about you, want to be there for you. So million thank yous to all the people that I have, the gratitude, my cup runneth over with them, the amazing human beings in my life that, that, you know, are good to me. But like I said, I just, it would be, it would be tough to, to pick up the phone and make a phone call and be able to talk and not be like, you know, who's hearing what and, and what have you. Right. So like a lot of times Crystal and the kids will just, Oh, it's time to go out for dinner or whatever. Like they just leave and go get food or whatever. But there's that, that closeness, that camaraderie camaraderie with your kids, that love, love is what it is. So I just, I've been very, very happy to have Chad here. And it's made it made things a little bit better. But like I said, while I'm I'm building stuff and doing things, it's boring for him. So he'd pop on my PlayStation and he was playing this game called Maneater, which seems like there's not a lot to it. You're just a shark. Literally man-eating shark, you know, swimming around, eating people, tacking boats, whatever. It didn't seem like there's much to it, but he played it quite a bit. So I'm guessing that there's something to it. I have no idea how it works. You like upgrade your shark and then it can like have electrical fins. Like it was just it's all over the place. But he seemed to enjoy it. And I think it was a free game on PlayStation at one point. So anybody else who may have it, if you're wondering, I'm like, eh, Chad doesn't stick with games for long if they're boring, but that was one he kept picking up and working on. So more power to you. And then a new game that came out this month, which I found myself playing the last few nights, just, you know, an hour before bed, I didn't want to get into anything big and epic and exciting, like actiony, not exciting, but actiony. And, uh, I found this game called unpacking and it's, it's a very pixelated game. looks like an old, you know, sort of early Nintendos, Nintendo, Nintendo six, not 64, but Nintendo, you know, super Nintendo, that kind of thing. So, you know, the art style is pixelated and you're looking at a, you know, a, a room essentially. And the rooms have boxes in them, cardboard boxes. It's so funny. Cause I've been moving and unpacking for so long. I'm like, maybe I'm just, maybe I'm just going through withdrawals, not having it, but you literally click on a box, the box opens. When you click on the the box again, like an item comes out of it and it's in your hand. So it could be like a fucking, a cup. It could be a pillow. It could be a stuffed animal. It could be clothes. And the idea is that like you're in, I think the first, the first level, you're just in like one room. So everything you take out of the box, got to find a spot for, but it's like, there's like books and stuff like that. And there's all these different surfaces and you can put pretty much stuff anywhere, pretty much. You know, you can hang clothes or you can, you can fold them and put them on top of each other. So it was just this, like, here's a space to unpack shit unpack thought it was great already burned through it well i'm saying that but that's the next week thing anyways i'm just saying i i thoroughly enjoyed it it's not very expensive like i said it was free because of the type of playstation account that i had but if you guys are looking for something that can be very just zen as you progress through the game you know you get like 
you know, your room, bathroom, dining room, kitchen, like all these different things and stuff that you're taking out of boxes, like, like real life stuff that, you know, goes in another room, came out of a box that was open in the kitchen. So you can switch between rooms and you got stuff in your hands. It's just a really charming game. Even if you're not a gamer, I would say like it would, this would be a great game to play on your phone. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not like it, it couldn't be played on the phone. It's, it's simple art style, whatever. It's just very, very fascinating fun to be able to basically unpack. And then it's like, you're looking through, Oh my God, sorry guys. You're looking through a photo album and the photo album has, you know, like years on it. So it's kind of like, Oh, and this year. And then it's like, boom, you just jump into the, the, the pages. And now you're in that room un- unpacking, whatever. Um, but that's the name of the game unpacking. Got to check it out. Okay. We're getting, we're getting to the hour and a half mark now. So I want to start banging these out real quick. We watched, we watched some TV shows. We're watching shows and we're watching movies. So we watched some more letter. Kenny, great show. It's available on Crave in Canada. I believe it's Hulu in the States, but it's called letter. Kenny K Trevor Wilson. Friend of mine is on the show. I've got an episode with him. Great, great. Just a goofy throwaway show. Silly, silly characters, silly content. Great. But they had a character on the show named Shores. He was a hockey player. And he would get into fights with the other hockey player, main characters in the show, whatever. Well, he got a spinoff series called Shorzy. And we started watching that. There's about a season. There's one season and a couple episodes. One of those ones where every episode, you know, comes out. One new episode every week comes out. And we started watching Shorzy. Thoroughly enjoyed that. To the point where that when I drove Chad home, he's not much of a hockey fan, doesn't know much about hockey, but we were chatting about hockey on the way back just because Shorzy is a hockey player. The show's very heavily revolves around this guy being a hockey player and their, their team and all that stuff. And, and so we were watching that We we ran out of episodes on the way back and then we watched the movie goon. So with Sean William Scott, Liev Schreiber it was written by Jay Baruchel and a good movie, basically just a more about hockey and an, an enforcer. You know what I mean? Like just, just that kind of player. If you don't know much about hockey, you know, it's, it's tough to explain hockey in, in five seconds, but Goon's a really good movie, but a guy whose job on the ice is to, to be a fighter, not a, not a goal scorer or anything like that. But, uh, but, but good movie. So that's what we did on the drive home and we stopped at a couple places, excuse me, stopped at a couple places, you know, just to, to get some stuff or whatever. But the drive home was essentially watching Shorzy and watching Goon. We, we watched some other movies. So over the course of the week, it came up that Chad has never seen the movie Ghostbusters. And I was like, like record scratch, you know, needle, needle scratch off the record. Like, are you fucking kidding me? You've never seen Ghostbusters. And he's like, no, I'm not interested either. I'm sure it's fine. I'm like, no, dude, classic movie still holds up today. And then I asked him, I'm like, well, have you seen like, you know, that, that, that one with the chicks, like, or the new one. And he's like, no, no, I haven't seen any of them. I was like, okay. Well, cause if you'd seen like Ghostbusters answer the call, which was the one with the ladies, um, I would go, I, I wouldn't blame you for not wanting to watch any more of them. Cause that one was absolute shit, but we decided to watch Ghostbusters. And it's funny too, because there was like a certain Ghostbusters references or something like that. Oh, it, it came up because I was looking at, you know, I was on Facebook when we were at breakfast at Gabe's. And someone, someone had a post where it said, well, you've heard of elf on a shelf, right? And then it showed a picture of a pool with one of the dogs from the first Ghostbusters in it. And it, and, and it took me a second because I'm going like, what dog and the ghost in the pool? Like, and then I was like, oh, that one of the dogs named was Zool. So I'm like, oh, it's Zool in a pool. Like it wasn't even a very good picture. Like the pool image was grainier than like the super sharp dog dog was cut out in and sitting in the pool in such a way that like it was even like this not even sitting proper the, the scaling is off it was just a dumb zool in a pool meme but i was like oh and i showed it to chad and i was like do you get it and he's like no 
like he's like i don't get it like ghostbusters and i was like yeah and, I, and then eventually i was like, like the dog's name is zool and he's like oh zool in a pool and he goes yeah i don't i don't know i he's like i haven't seen that and i was like what and that's how it came up but it's funny because we watched an angry video game nerd review of like the ghostbusters game for nintendo so we, and it's like a 20 minute review it's a good review it's funny but like he's watching it, he seems entertained by it. And then I was like, oh fuck, you watch that whole like angry video game nerd thing about Ghostbusters and you don't get the context of any of the things in the game because you've never seen the movie. And I was going on and I was like, wait a second, like fucking months ago, we bought Ghostbusters, I think it's called Spirits Unleashed or something like that, or Ghostbusters. It's a first person multiplayer game where you're Ghostbusters. And Chad played it with me. I was like, fuck, dude, you played this game? You haven't even seen Ghostbusters? I'm like, the whole time, I'm like, I'm thinking that this is like nostalgic for both of us. I'm like, but you've never seen Ghostbusters. So you're playing this game with proton packs and traps and all this shit. You just don't even know what it does because you've never seen the movies. I was just like, that's, that's fucking a lot. So we watched Ghostbusters. He enjoyed it. We watched Ghostbusters 2, still enjoyed it. And then I was like, you got it. Now I go, now you got to know that this Ghostbusters answer the call because there was three of them on Crave. The new one, Afterlife, was on Netflix for a while, but I can't find it for the life of me. But it was just like, dude, I can't believe you've never seen these. So I was like, well, just know that like Ghostbusters 2 came out in like 89. So I'm like between 89 and like 2000 fucking 15 or 16 or whatever answer the call came out. I go, we waited like 25 years for another Ghostbusters movie. And like, this is what we got. So we watched and he's like, yeah, that sucked. I'm like, yeah. So if you're like a crazy Ghostbusters fan like me, like that's, that's what you got afterwards. I'm like, and then Ghostbusters never existed. They had shitty cameos. You know what I mean? It was just, it was just a lot of dumb jokes. And instead of it being like witty jokes, like it was in the original movies, like some of them are just silly, funny. They were all sexual. Every joke was about how much the slime got in every crack and every crevice and just awkwardly interrupting each other. And that's supposed to be funny that they're like they're being awkward and stuff. Like it was just dumb. It was just bad. The bridesmaids ghostbusters. So anyways, I just, he watched that and he's like, yeah, that sucked. I'm like, yeah, but afterlife was, was better. I, I still don't think afterlife was as good as, you know, those are some of the episodes that you guys are missing, by the way like when I actually saw afterlife in theater. So maybe I'll save it for that, but it was better. At least the ghostbusters existed in it. And it was directed by uh, Ivan Reitman's son, Jason Reitman. Ivan Reitman, of course, directed the original ones. Jason Reitman, his son director. Now Ivan Reitman has passed away. His son took up the mantle and, and made a movie that hopefully would make his dad proud. What else we watched? We also watched because it came out on Paramount plus we watched the Ninja Turtles movie, mutant mayhem, TMNT mutant mayhem. I was just chatting with Chad this morning about it. So it actually helps me give you guys my, my thoughts on the episode or the episode, the, uh, the, the movie a little more accurately. So the movie appears to be done in the same cartoon style as the spider verse movies. So I don't, I don't think clearly the, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is not a Sony property. It's Paramount, right? And the Spider-Mans are, are Sony, but the art style is very, very similar. So I was, I was looking forward to it. It actually got pretty high reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. Like, oh, this is like one of the best Ninja Turtle movies ever made. I was like, that's great. I grew up with the Ninja Turtles. That was the cartoon that I watched on Saturday mornings. You know, I had the toys. I fucking love the Ninja Turtles when I was a kid. The first Ninja Turtles movie live action was good. I watched it not, not long ago within the last few years and it still held up. Turtles 2, Secret of the Ooze, really bad jokes, very like made for kids. And what do you call it? You know, like Ninja Turtles 3, Turtles in Time, whatever the fuck it is, garbage. And I think they did it like a live action TV series, which was also just junk. But it was one of those things where you're like, okay, but I, but the first one held up. Part of me remembers when I was a kid liking Secret of the Use better because I had Toka and Razor or whatever, but with the jokes were dumb, very childish. 
I remember thinking like, and I'm thinking of it right now is that I used to love gremlins too. When they're in the building, lots more is happening. The drink and the different kinds of gremlins, but it was also done way more comedically. So I think I've seen the original gremlins where there was trying to be like a horror movie or at least scarier, not like, so not so jokey, like there's funny moments, but it, it was, it was more like comic relief as opposed to being like a comedy or children's movie. Whereas I haven't seen gremlins to the new batch in quite some time. And so I'd be interested to check that one out and see if, if it aged well, or if it's kind of like, it just suffers from, you know, jokes of the day and this and that. But in terms of, of Ninja Turtles, the, the mutant mayhem, the new one there, there's, it's good art style. The plot is not super complex. Um, they call it mutant mayhem. And there's like, there's like nine different mutants in it, whatever. And you think like, oh, there's all these different enemies. There's gonna be a lot of like fight and action scenes in it. Cause even Spider-Verse had like tons of action and it was very visually pleasing. This one, I'm, I'm at a loss to think of a single fight scene. The story is mostly the Ninja Turtles. Like they've changed Splinter's dynamic. They've changed, uh, some other stuff. I don't want to spoil anything, but like some characters you would expect to see in it are not in it. And the turtle, it's, it's a lot of them, like them trying to like, we want to be part of society. Like we want to like the upside world doesn't, doesn't, you know, we just want to fit in. And if we do this, then maybe we can fit in. So they took some creative liberties with the story and it's, it's a fine movie. It's fine. It's very visually nice, but it's, it's, if you're expecting Ninja Turtles and you want to see like fight scenes, you know, some cool shit, like they have weapons. I, I really don't remember one. I remember a, you know, a large scale fight at the end, but it's, it's without spoiling anything, it's more like a Godzilla type thing. Like, I'm not saying that there's anything, it's just, you're not, you're not doing hand to hand combat. You're doing, you know, you're, you're trying to get a, a syringe. It's not the case, but I'm just making something up. It's like, you're trying to get a syringe into Godzilla. Like, you know, like you having swords and shit. I don't recall any part of the movie where that, that comes into play. You know what I mean? So you're like, you're watching a Ninja Turtle movie and there's no fight scenes. It's just like sad scenes. Like they they'll throw stars and try to like, you know, hit targets like, Oh, let's hit this watermelon. Like it's not shit, but it, like, it didn't even occur to me until later. There's like, there's some like races with driving and stuff like that and skateboarding kind of shit like that. But there's no, like, there's no action, like no, no combat in the movie. And it wasn't until I was talking with Chad that I'm like, I don't know why I just didn't find it that interesting that and the whole time you're waiting for like a fight scene and, and there just isn't one that comes. So if you're like me and you saw it and you're like, why does it just seem odd to me? It's like, yeah, it's the Ninja Turtles and they didn't fight anything. You know what I mean? So anyways, looks nice, but, but please, please contact at one man podcast.com. If you disagree with anything, so if you think that the, the, the bridesmaids ghostbusters was the best one, if you think that the, the Ninja Turtles movie had a ton of stuff that maybe I just didn't notice, let me know. Cause I'd, I'd love to get a different thing. I was really looking forward to it. I saved it. We almost, it was like the last day Chad was here. So I was like, fuck, I almost forgot. We got to watch the interest movie. I would strongly urge you to, to, to email me contact at one man podcast.com. Let me know what you thought. And if you're going to watch it and you think you're going to get a bunch of like into the spider verse kind of actiony sort of stuff, apologies, but that's, that's not what you're in for. One last thing I did this week and I'll mention it real quick. I spent like a fucking day doing my can sell certification. So that's being a cannabis, like I guess like a smart serve, if you know what that is, wherever you may be, your, your province or state may have a different version of, of that. 
But your smart serve is what allows you to give out booze samples and things like that. If you're working an event with alcohol, you need your smart serve to know how to not overserve people or put anyone at risk or serve minors or anything like that. Very important. I've got a little card here that has it. Every time I do a booze gig, I have to send them proof of my smart serve certification. I have done cannabis now that it's legal in Canada. I've done cannabis events before. But I've never needed my can cell because they're always like, you know, you're giving away fake gummies. Like there's no cannabis in them. You're giving away drinks. There's no cannabis in it. So you don't need to be can cell certified to give away something that doesn't have weed in it. But this event, they were insistent that I have my can cell. So I had to fork out to, to, to get my can cells. It cost me 70 bucks, 80 with tax. And then I did like a four hour training in front of the computer, which was boring. I did learn a little bit, but not, not a lot. But anyways, I got my cancel certification because I'll be doing an event next week or later in the month. And I'll tell you about that, of course, when it comes, but that was another thing that just took up a, a good portion of my, my day this week. It kept meaning to get to the podcast, but it just didn't happen the way I would like for it to, but we got it here, guys. We're, we're an hour and 40 in and we're at the home stretch where I We'll tell you, I guess I'll, I'll plug the other stuff just after I'm done, but I got an email from Chris as I asked him for, right? I asked for the, excuse me, just to talk to me about coffee. Tell me the process. So I'm going to read you the email that I got from Chris. It's, Hey Josh, Chris here. Let me ask you a question. Do you like coffee? I do. It helps me wake up in the morning and make sure I stay and make sure I stay regular. I mean, taking his morning dump there without it, my day would be figuratively ruined. I am not, however, a fan of most coffee shop coffees. I don't like the results they get from standard drip coffee, a little too bitter and always way too hot. What's a boy like me to do? I'll tell you what I took matters into my own hands. I started making coffee at home pause. So I just think it's funny because it's like a lot of people make coffee at home, but they'll make it drip coffee, Keurig, whatever it is, and just put it in a, in a to-go mug, right? Like the old, uh, the old percolating things. So again, it's just funny. He's like, I started making my coffee at home. When I read that, I'm like, you're saying it like it's a revelation, but he says, I dabbled a little with the French press, but soon settled on my current method, the AeroPress. The AeroPress is the brainchild of master inventor, Alan Adler. Yes, the Alan Adler, inventor of such things as such other such thing as the aerobic or, or, or the aerobi flying disc. So Chris was explaining it to us the other night that that's like the, the Frisbee that's like just a ring. So instead of it being like, you know, kind of like a, a, a shallow upside down bowl, it's like a flat ring with, well, a flat, flat disc with like a big ring cut out of it. So like a foot diameter, but it's got a big hole in it and maybe, maybe two, three inches thick ring, but I've seen those before. Anyways, he's saying that's the same guy that invented that. The air So back to it. The AeroPress is a single serve up to 300 milliliter coffee maker. One sec. Hey Siri, what's 300 milliliters in ounces? 10.14 fluid ounces. So it resembles a large syringe made up of three parts, the main chamber, the end cap, and the plunger. Basically, you place a small round paper filter into the end cap, then screw it onto the main chamber, then place it on top of a mug. Fill the chamber with precisely measured, freshly roasted, hand-ground, single-origin coffee. Then add exactly the right amount of near-boiling water. Insert the plunger, just enough to stop the water from prematurely escaping, just like you do when you thumb the end of a fine paper straw full of soda. Wait two minutes, then press the plunger down firmly. Delicious. Yeah, so it's like, yeah, it's like a kind of like a French press idea, but it just, it's, yeah, yeah, they don't, uh, it doesn't stay in the thing. It literally presses it right through the filter. Um, he says two minutes enjoy. So he, he goes on to explain more. He says, does the coffee need to be precisely measured? No, the unit comes with a scope, but I think he meant scoop because my shit corrects me all the time because the, the, the unit comes with a scoop. But if you're looking for repeat success, don't be cheap and buy a proper kitchen scale. 
I have one. Does the coffee need to be freshly roasted? No, I'm sure your stale ass shit is giving you a banging cup of coffee every time. You know what? There's some, there's some stuff that's not necessarily stale. If you put it in the fridge, I'm going to defend that a little bit, but again, freshly roasted is still nice. Anything fresh is, is usually nice. Mm -hmm. So uh, does the coffee need to be precisely measured? Blah, blah, blah. No, I'm sure your stale shit ass is giving you a bang cup of coffee every time. Does the coffee need to be a hand ground? No, like black pepper, everyone knows fresh cracked is a lie. But does it, but does it need to be hand ground? No, an electric burr grinder works just as well and it's quicker. Just don't let me catch you using an electric blade grinder. Gross. So I'm going to pause Chris again and I'm going to speak to that because he explained to me a long time ago that with metal, when it spins, it heats up. And when it heats up, it's actually going to roast, like it's going to burn, cook, whatever, your coffee further. So the whole idea is that that even though your coffee's been roasted to where it's supposed to be at, whatever, you're, if you grind it in an electric metal grinder, you're actually going to roast it more. You're going to cook it more, right? It's the same as if you grind it in a Vitamix. It's still, the speed's going to heat it up and you're going to get burnt, well, not burnt, but further, you know, warmed coffee. Right. And especially if you're, you're grinding a bunch of it, you know, it affects it. So a burr grinder from my understanding is like either some sort of porcelain ends so that when they grind, when you're hand grinding it, so it looks like this big old pepper mill, like the old style style one where like the handle sticks out and it looks like a clock face spinning when you're grinding it. So the one Chris has is like that. So he'll, he'll take it and he'll hand grind it in his grinder. So he puts his, you know, puts the coffee in it, grinds it, and you can feel it kind of like crushing and grinding as you spin it. But then at one point, you know, once you've spun it enough, like it just gets easier and easier to the point where like it just spins and there's literally like no resistance whatsoever. So it's completely ground. But he explained that the burr grinders, like, because it's like porcelain or some other thing that when it grinds, it doesn't heat up and it therefore doesn't, doesn't uh, further roast the coffee. So again, it's just more precision, more control over your end result to have that. So that's all part of his process. Does the coffee need to be hand ground? No. Does the coffee need to be single origin? He goes, only if you care about the farmers who grow the coffee, unlike Nestle, who only care about bending them over a table. Who am I kidding? Nestle has us all bent over a table. and I, for one, appreciate the attention. <laughs> so he goes, all kidding aside, knowing where your coffee comes from is very important. Most coffee growers come from country from country where workers can be treated poorly. I buy my coffee from a roaster out of Hamilton called Detour, who send me two 300 gram bags of coffee each month, along with a brochure telling me about the farm where it, from where it came. He goes, but beware, buying coffee this way is expensive. I, however, have begun to accept that this is the cost of doing things ethically, unlike Nestle. For those that are curious, I use a Time More Slim hand grinder, which has a 20 gram capacity. Take care and happy brewing. So, yeah. So essentially like, you know, Chris has got the AeroPress, which he told me, I want to see what it costs. So maybe I can keep you guys mildly entertained while I, while I, you know, let's check this up. A-E-R-O-P-R-E-S-S. -S, AeroPress sponsored. Oh, coffee and espresso maker AeroPress official site. Okay. So that's, I'm seeing it right here online. It's Canadian fifty four ninety five for like a plunger. AeroPress, press your perfect cup of coffee. Now, Chris was telling me that there's like ones that have what is this? AeroPress decorative sleeve. Don't need it. AeroPress stainless steel filter. I wonder, I wonder if that's what Chris uses. Chris, tell me, message me back. Tell me if you use that AeroPress flow control cap. Doesn't it come with everything you need? But yeah, it's kind of like, it's just like a plunger. And you literally, so instead of having like with the, the French press, when you press the grounds down, you still have the coffee sitting on the top 
and it can still like the water can still continue to perk from the beans underneath. So even though like the beans are not going to end up in the cup for the most part, there's still the, there's still the element of, of the water slushing through can still boil them, whatever, blah, blah, blah. So Chris didn't mention in this that he actually has like a, a kettle with like a gooseneck. So it's got like this long, long sort of spout kind of looks like a, like a watering can. And I was asking him like, oh, what's the deal with that? And he goes, honestly, it just gives you a more controlled pour. So because this is a pour over coffee, right? Once you put your coffee in the, the AeroPress, you pour the, the water over it. It gives you more control of the water. You can pour it over the beans evenly as opposed to just like pouring it and splashing everywhere. Like I'm not saying it gets all over the counter. It's not like, are you tired of your coffee exploding all over your entire kitchen? It's like, no, but when you're, when you're pouring it, like if there's a big, heavy flow, it can agitate the beans, right? Move them around, whatever. So this just allows you to pour over the coffee right? Pour it over and, and keep it more maintained. He's also got it where it can, you know, pick the precise temperature. Cause there's the ones I assume that, that tell you the best temperature for taste, right? Cause our mouths, this is something I know from whiskey is that our mouths are not ex- uh, equipped to taste extreme temperatures. So when something's really cold, you taste way less of it. And when something's really hot, you taste less of it. So looking for a good cup of coffee to have it sit at a particular temperature, and that's to taste. Chris was suggesting to me, I don't remember what it was, but he was saying, I like to drink my coffee at this temperature. You know, so he'll make it. And then when it's, you know, when it cools to a certain temperature, he'll scan it with like a thermometer, like one of those little COVID guns. And be like, okay, it's the temperature. I like to drink it. Boom, whatever. So again, it's like a lot of steps to enjoy something that you care about, you know, the way it is, the way, the way you find it to be ideal anyway. So, so he's got like a gooseneck kettle. He's got this AeroPress, which appears with, without three in one coffee press, full body flavor with that grit. So let's see what it comes with on the world's best coffee secret for blah, blah, blah. Why is it so easy to you? What's, what's included? That's what I want. AeroPress, original chamber, plunger, filter cap, and seal brewed. Paper microfilters includes 100 replacement AeroPress paper microfilters, a stirrer designed to be the perfect length for the AeroPress original, and scoop measures just right amount of coffee, delicious for AeroPress recipes. So Chris was saying that that one has. Now I want to see the price of because I remember him telling me this I was like that's fucking expensive. Time more grinder. So let's see. So Amazon. Time War Grinder, order now at Amazon. I'm on the Burr Grinder. Time War Chestnut C3 Manual Coffee Grinder, new version, stainless steel conical Burr Grinder. So this one's $110. It shows, it doesn't say the capacity. The next one is $96. Chestnut C2, not C3, manual coffee grinder capacity, 20 grams with CNC stainless steel conical. Don't know what that is. Or I don't even know if I'm pronouncing it right. Burr Grinder, internal, adjustable, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But I'm seeing ones for 120 85. There's one 144. Time more chestnut pro manual coffee grinder with precise grind adjustments, stainless steel. I want to like yeah, anyways. My understanding is the burr grinder is the one. There's also Shardor. But yeah, I'm seeing them here. They're expensive. Like they're 100 bucks basically or more. One of them, Chestnut X Light 30 gram S2C burr, burrs and half click coarseness adjustment. Whatever. He's paying a lot to grind his coffee. But again, if it's something you use every day, like I've bought crystal fucking Oh, what do we have here? We got a lot of different headboards here. Seven hundred and seventy-one dollars. Yeah. So the uh, sorry, I'm just like <laughs> unintentionally was was seeing what's in the cart because I just clicked on the Amazon link and it's brought up the account. Yeah. So if you're using something every day, like I bought Crystal a Dyson hair straightener, which I don't think she uses much anymore because the the hair straightening on the Dyson Air Wand or whatever the fuck it's called, Air Wrap, I think it is. But those are like seven hundred bucks. 
right? But if you use it every single day, right? Like, I mean, how much is an iPhone? iPhone's like two to $3,000. Again, we use them every single day and they replace them in like two years. Some of you don't, but you know, you replace it in four or five or whatever, and you'll bitch when it finally dies. But at the end of the day, it's something that you use every single day. Like again, the thought of leaving your house without your phone, right? Like, what are you listening to this on right now? Right? If you're like, oh, I don't, I plug my iPad in my car. I'm like, you're a fucking weirdo. I mean, I'm, I'm glad you're here with me, but that's fucking weird. So all things considered, it's, you know, you, you can't, you can't throw it up. And again, the cost, I want to see what this detour, I want to see the detour coffee and see what that goes for. Just we're at the end of the episode and you know, you can just call it an episode if you're not into it, but detour coffee, Canada, I'm going to allow my current location sponsored. Okay. I said allow already. Fuck detour coffee. So detour shop, subscribe, learn. So let's see, subscribe. Let's click on that and see what we get. You deserve nice things on the regular. We made it easy with our at-home coffee plan. So subscription, all. Monthly coffee club, instead of being 53.50, it's saying it's 45.50. Single origin coffee subscription is 42.50. So single origin, just in case it it's lost on you. What the fuck? Three, oh, three months is 127. So 42, 42, 42, 40, 40, 40 is 120, 222. Yeah, it's the exact same price. You don't, you don't, looks like you can gift the three month one. So single origin guys comes from one place. I know that should, should go without saying, but it just means it comes from one place. I'm seeing monthly coffee club is more expensive. So I want to know what that's about. Why do we love this subscription? You get to take a trip around the world of coffee through a curated experience. Sorry. I will create a new coffee experience monthly and deliver to your door. With each delivery, you receive two bags of seasonally sourced single origin filter coffees, focusing on a specific theme to showcase difference. Detail, get two bags, no shipping fees, save money, skip, pause, cancel, priority roasted to your order, ship directly to your, yeah, Chris was mentioning, like he's showing me the bags. He's like, yeah, I know exactly when this was roasted. It was roasted on this date. It was delivered to me like two days later, you know, roasted, shipped, received single origin coffee. I want to see what's the difference here is, you know, skip, pause, priority roasted, ship directly to you, save money, no shipping fees, two bags with every order. So I don't know what the difference is. It's like a coffee playlist, whether you need it, experience different farms, regions, and varieties and discover new favorites or seasonal single origin coffees, just the way you like them. It doesn't sound like it's a big difference. It's like there's two fifty for the other ones. Anyway, single origin and you get to pick, okay, coffee one, coffee two. So you can, you can get espresso and decaf if you want to. And it says deliver every one week. I don't understand. I want to adjust your delivery frequency a few cups a week, every four weeks, three to four weeks. So it's the same amount per month. Anyways, who cares? That's what it is. And that's also Canadian guys, 4250, but seems interesting. Again, if you're a coffee drinker, like I, I spend more than that on Nespresso, probably a month. So if I wanted to go out and spend 400 bucks on an AeroPress and gooseneck kettle and the, the grinder and the coffee subscription, I guess, I mean, it, it wouldn't be that much, but it'd be expensive to get started, but you know, if that ends up being the better cup of coffee, you know, Chris was also saying that like, you know, you, you wait exactly two minutes for your thing, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I appreciate this email. It's a good. It's a good subject to talk. And again, if people, some people, you know, enjoy coffee, like it's a, it's a fine wine or a, a glass of whiskey. So if you're, if you are a coffee drinker and if you considered yourself a, a particularly, you know, 
savvy coffee drinker, maybe be interesting to you to try a curated single origin coffee from one of these things where you get, you know, if you know that the guys are taken care of, they're paid ethically, you know, where the coffee comes from, you know, which farm, who the owner is like all that stuff. You get a, you get detailed information on, on the coffee. I gotta be honest. I'm a coffee guy and I, I don't drink much. I don't drink much at all anymore. Really. I don't. And you know, maybe if I, you know, Hey, if somebody wants to send a special grinder, I gotta get a post office box for this podcast so I can actually start uh, what a piece of shit I am. eh? like, I'm just like, Hey, you know, if you want to send me stuff, let me get a, let me go get a PO box so that you guys can send me free shit. But I only say that because I've had, I've had incredible onesies shout out to Brent out in Alberta. Cause Brent, when I hurt myself and got, uh, what do you call it? When I got a tennis elbow. Brent was a fucking rock star and sent me from his sporting goods store, some like fro- freezer sleeves that I could use to like ice my arm. And they also gave me like a, like a physio tool, which I used. I thought it was fucking incredible. So big shout out to Brent in, in Calgary. I really appreciate him doing that. But again, it'd be nice to just, you know, have a PO box. You guys want to send something funny. Please don't send me anything murderous or whatnot. I would not like that, but Hey, you know, I appreciate you guys listening. I appreciate you spending the time with me. What have I got coming up? I'm going to plug that I'm doing. I'm hosting at Absolute Comedy November 14th to 19th. I'll be doing the 20th at Moose McGuire's, which is like the Orleans location on a Monday night. That's in Ottawa. So November 14th to 19th. I'll be doing Absolute Comedy Toronto. I'm hosting and then headlining. So I'll be hosting January 2nd to 7th. And then I am headlining the 9th to the 14th. So for any of that stuff, again, Ottawa in November 14th to 19th and Toronto, January 2nd to 14th. Effectively, there's only the one Monday that'll be dark. So I won't be there. Also my buddy, Matt Davis, he's got colorful, a work in progress comedy hour at absolute comedy on Tuesday, October 24th. So for any of these tickets, me in Ottawa, me in Toronto, um, I said, Matt Davis for the next two weeks, like this week, he's in Ottawa. The next two weeks he'll be in Toronto. So if you want to get tickets to any of these things, go to absolutecomedy.ca and you can get your tickets online or the phone numbers for the respective clubs are there. You can call and just make a reservation over the phone. Would love to see you. But at the same time, if you can't make it out to see me, I would strongly suggest you checking out Matt Davis. He's a great comic. Check out the episode of the podcast with me and Matt talking, Matt and I speaking, because it was, a, it was a good one. It gives you a little idea who he is. I also want to like pepper and I, I want to do another, I want to do some second rounds of, of interviews with some of these comics because they've grown since then. They've got new stories since then. And I love these guys. I really love sharing my, my friends with you. So coming up this week, I've got a couple samplings. I'm doing a, like I just yesterday took a, took two booze samplings out of the blue. So I'll be, be doing some sort of Radler tasting. Nothing I'm super excited about, but it's going to kill some time on the Friday. It's going to kill some time on the Saturday. I'm just going to keep posting shit for sale and hopefully spending a little bit of downtime playing some video games. There's a lot going on. I will fill you guys in on it as I fill in the old episodes, but the desk is built. The desk is organized. The desk is prepared. It is now my studio space and it will remain ready to go for the podcast. Knock on wood. I literally had it done. And then like the next day, it's like, all right, we're, 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 we're splitting rooms and I had to start all over again. So I'm just happy to be able to, to share some time with you guys. And I'm looking forward to being able to just like get up in the morning and, uh, and doing the podcast, getting it out of the way early. For those of you that are still with me, thanks for being here. If you're new to the podcast, thanks for listening to the first one. This is super fucking long, but I'm grateful for you being there. If you want to send an email, send an email to contact at one man Whatever you send me, I will read. Even if it's hate speech, I probably just will, will reprimand. And what's that thing that's that Trump wouldn't do renounce whatever or condemn. I won't, I'll, I will do that. If you send me like horrible shit, I'll be like, Hey man, look, I told you I'd read it. Hateful, hateful, not cool. 
you know, I'll give you my thoughts on it, but I, again, I'm not encouraging anyone to do that, but I'm just saying whatever you send me, I will read it. I will give you a forum because I appreciate the interaction with you guys. I've got some other emails that I was sent in the past for other episodes that are happening in the past. So when those episodes come to pass, I will read them. But for those of you who are still listening, appreciate you, love you guys. And I look forward to chatting with you again soon. Might as well.